You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Wednesday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoy, the host of this fine program. Today I've got Cam Berry and Tom Peavy with me as TP Hammock is running the board and taking your phone calls for the first couple hours of the show. Fun show in store for you today, as we've already had two shows this week, yet we've hardly recapped the first week of NFL uh, or college football games outside of the Auburn, Cal, and Alabama, Texas games. So we're going to try and do all of that today, start to look ahead a little bit towards the upcoming weekend. And uh, we've also got at 5.15 today, Joe Barnell of Rotowire uh, for all of your fantasy needs, as there have been several uh, reputable injuries, shall we say, in the Gosh. first week of the NFL season, affecting some various fantasy teams here in the office. So we will talk to Joe about fantasy football and about the NFL Again, that one at 5.15. If you want to give us a call today on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one tiger 9 Again, Ryan, Cam, and Tom with you here on this Wednesday edition of the program. Also in the 4 o'clock hour, stay tuned. We will have a ticket giveaway for Auburn and Sanford. So that's coming up in the 4 o'clock hour, so you want to stay tuned for that. We'll have two tickets available for Auburn and Sanford this weekend inside of Jordan-Harris Stadium. Ryan, Cam, and Tom. Cam, your first show of the week. Yeah. Hope you had a great weekend. How are you this week? I did. I had a great weekend. Fantastic. Um, you know, Auburn played an absolutely disgusting game in, at Cal and managed to still come out with a win. Um, the defense was just, I mean, just stood up. I mean, you know, when, uh, what was the running back's name? Cade Ott, Caden Ott something like that uh what J- you know Jaden J- 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 not there it is i was close um you know when when he said all that stuff about auburn about the name and things like that you can just tell that the defense did not appreciate that at all whatsoever and um the the defense definitely came to play the offense was yet to be desired but um you know a little bit too much too careless with the football in terms of fumbles and things like that but auburn was able to get a win and that's really the most important thing. They came out with a win, two and zero. So get to face Sanford this weekend, and uh, you know, obviously that'll be a, a good, hopefully, get right game before you get into the teeth of your SEC schedule. So uh, excited to talk about that a little bit. And then uh, my Falcons got a win, one and zero for the first time since 2017. Um, very happy about that. A, a great, uh, you know, a good win, 24 to 10 against the Carolina Panthers. And I watched every minute of it and, and loved every minute of it. And 
Uh, I've missed NFL football so much. Uh, Bijan Robinson looks like he is everything as advertised and and maybe and then some um and so i'm really excited to see how that goes uh as the weeks kind of progress along um would love to see more passing but you know still desmond ritter uh made some good decisions um so maybe just pass the ball a little bit more. Drake London didn't have a single reception. So uh, that kind of hurt me in fantasy. And, I, you know, he, uh, uh, Joe Bartle will probably talk to him about that a little bit. But, um, yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, I'm glad to be here. And uh, it's hump day. Absolutely. Getting our way towards another weekend. Tom, how are you this afternoon? I'm here. <laughs> you are here. Uh, yeah, I mean, Yeah. Wait, I, I feel like I've since I'm here on like the first two days of the week, it's like I have discussed everything that I, I have I have climbed that mountain and screamed from the top of it right. as much You've as I possibly can. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. uh uh but I guess there's uh, yeah, there's other stuff to talk about that we haven't, like you mentioned with uh, the the NFL and things like that. So uh ready to get on it. But yeah, doing great. Uh, well, how do you think I feel during the, the summer going five straight days? Oh, I know. When it's like, yeah, so Braves uh, didn't play today. Yeah. And uh, thank God there's conference realignment, although I, in, in a nutshell, I don't like it, but uh, it's something to talk about. <laughs> conference realignment uh, saved the summer. So, <laughs> I, I, will say, I will say this about the Braves. They survived one last night because the, bu- the, bullpen, the, bullpen, the bullpen just tr- – the bullpen tried – Everything that they possibly could to hand Philadelphia that one on a silver platter, and and fortunately they were able to get it done in the tenth inning. But the Phillies are very annoying. They they are annoying, and so is the Braves bullpen. Very annoying. <laughs> well, I mean, in that series, the in Braves that, bullpen's the, been one of the top overall, three pens. In, in uh, well, okay, yeah, baseball. I'll give you that. bullpen is Phillies. something That's that no I, one's ever content with. I, I guess I guess what I the, my problem with the Braves bullpen it's it's I guess it's not the entirety of the bullpen. It's like there's individuals. That you don't trust, yeah. And, and but it, but it's I, all and, and it's like there's some games they'll be great, um, you know. There, uh, who uh, McHugh? Yeah, he's he's. I don't think he'll touch the postseason roster. So uh, probably not. But fine. you know, McHugh is one yeah. of those. Uh, but Do then, not ever want to see. But him then Iglesias is like, like a white flag. Yeah. But then with Iglesias, it's like okay, uh, which Iglesias are we going to get today? That was his fourth one save. Yeah. He, I know he's, like, he's been good. Wait, wait, but wait, again, what do you want? Perfection? Yes. Because that doesn't happen. <laughs> yes. Perfection. <laughs> Iglesias is an excellent closer. We're not. I know, he but is. He is. But I know, but the only reason he blew the one the other night was because there was an error with two. There, there are. There have been times that Iglesias gets in there and and it's like I mean he'll get it done, but it's like uh, give up a hit. Yeah, uh, I'm just saying. Uh, yeah. like, like, hey, what are we doing? It, I'm just saying that if mentor, you, mentor. I I love mentor. He's been great, but like there's times that mentor like starts and slinging the ball, and it's like he has no idea where the ball is going, and. It felt like if several of those batters that Mentor faced last night, it just felt like that it. And he ended up getting the ultimate strikeout to get out of it, but right. it, it was it was getting very tenuous there because it was like holy crap, he doesn't know where the ball is going. So all in all, I don't want to face but, the Phillies in the playoffs. I don't. Want well, to. yeah, that's one team that just is is probably the one that I really really don't want to face. Well, uh, yeah, they took out the Braves yeah, last they, year. They, yeah, they did. They had played well for the last two yeah. months, really. For real. Uh, and no, I'm in agreement because their lineup is so good, and they have a couple of really good starting pitchers. 
Uh, Zach Wheeler is one of them, and he had typically been really good against the Braves, but the Braves hit a couple long balls off of yes, him did. last night. Uh, and just this potent offense there, they broke the NL record, I believe, for most home runs in a season last night. I think they're up to 281 homers now yeah, for the season. Uh, and, uh, again, Acuna's at 37 now as he tries to get to 40 and have the 40-70 season. Uh, really, it would have been fine at 40-40, but uh, he has continued to run and continue to hit and all that. Uh, so, yes, I understand the last two games, bullpen was not great. But, again, it's the if you're mad about this bullpen, you're going to be mad about every single bullpen that ever existed and all the relief pitchers because this is still one of the best groups in baseball. Uh, so we can talk a little bit more about them a little bit later. I want to talk a little bit about – uh, I give Cam the opportunity a little bit to start this off, and then we'll uh, move on to some of the other college and pro games for last weekend. But we've been talking so far this week has been the talk around Auburn, talk around any sports talk show about Auburn's offensive performance from week two against Cal, how concerned everyone is about it, how it might translate to the SEC and that sort of thing. So, Cam, since you've not been on the show yet, what are yeah. your thoughts on – what we saw on Saturday night, how concerning that was, and again, just uh, what what was the most important stuff to change going into? Obviously, the Sanford game won't matter much there, but going into the SEC play next week. Yeah, so I I thought Auburn was able to move the ball relatively decent. I just thought they just made so many mental mistakes, like in terms of, like I said. Fumbling the ball, you know the turnovers. Uh, you know Peyton Thorn had a had a kind of weird turnover um, that honestly probably should have resulted in a cow touchdown. Um, so that was very fortunate, and and Auburn just kind of a little bit of luck played into it. You know their kicker missing what two three field goals along the lines of that, and um, you know some some things on their side uh, for Cal, and yeah, the receivers still it's a little bit worrisome as well. Um, you know, was glad that um, Auburn used Rivaldo Fairweather uh, kind of in, in the goal line situation and threw the ball up to him. I loved that play. Um, that they, they kind of let him use his size to his advantage and and got him the football. Um, but I I I I'm not too concerned yet. Uh, obviously, Texas A&M is just going to be a challenge, um, no matter if Auburn even was humming on all cylinders in this game. I mean, it's just a completely different beast. So you don't know how it's going to translate until you get there. Um, everybody has their miscues. I mean, even Texas A&M, they lost to Miami. They gave up a bunch of points to yeah. Miami. So, you know, it's just, you know, no problem. Yeah, it's a, it's a completely different thing. So it, it, it'll be interesting to see how that how it plays out. I think, like I said, Samford is going to be a good get-right game. The ability to hopefully pass the ball more, uh, you know, like I've I've been saying this, and I think we've all kind of been saying it, but just throw the ball a little bit more, kind of just loosen the reins a little bit. Let Peyton Thorne throw the ball. The two QB system, I I don't love. Uh, I, I'd really kind of prefer that they stick to one, um, just and let Peyton Thorne kind of run the run the offense consistently. Maybe throw Robbie in there every once in a while in an opportunity to shake things up. But you know, it gets to the point where it just becomes predictable because you know Robbie's going to run the ball. It's just a matter of, or you know, a run is coming more than likely. 
it's just a matter of is Robbie going to keep it? Is he going to hand it off to the running back? How's that going to play out? What direction is he going? That's really that's really it at that point. So you to get Robbie involved, you probably just going to have to maybe scheme some runs a little bit better where you know some misdirection stuff to really make his uh make his snaps uh productive at this point uh i guess especially against sec town that's just something that's going to be absolutely necessary so letting peyton throw the ball a little bit more seeing if these receivers can get just get a little bit more open i'm like i like what i'm seeing from jay fair he seems to really be um be kind of stepping up a little bit i want to see shane hooks a little bit more kind of um since you know we were pretty high on him as the season was starting i'd like to see him get a little bit more involved so overall just you know i want the passing attempts to be up a little bit more even if they're not all completions i just want to see him dial up some stuff just some different things so that that's really what's what i'm seeing and and what i want to see from this game next week and hopefully that'll kind of get the offense just a little bit more comfortable because you know the run game is good you know the run game you know jarquez hunter is going to be good if he you know the fumbles i think that's a bit of an anomaly same with damari i think he i think that's a bit of an anomaly as well um Jeremiah Cobb, absolute stud. He's going to have to get more touches at some point. Um, so, the you know, eventually uh, somebody in the running back room is going to step up. It's, it's going to be perfectly fine. I'm not worried about the run. It's the pass that I'm absolutely just want to see more of. So sure. that's, that's where I'm at at this point in the season. Um, I mean, we're only two games in, so a lot can change as it progresses. Um, but that's kind of what I'm seeing so far. Yeah, and look, I, I – Total, total together a stat that I saved for the show today uh, from the rushing attack because everybody looks at the final numbers and they and you get an idea of what it was like for Auburn. The final numbers say uh, that rushing wise for the Tigers it was 38 attempts, 136 yards, 3.6 yards of carry. But that's not the full story because really what happened was the quarterback run game was unsuccessful. But the running back game was very successful. So when you total up with Jarquez Hunter, Damari Austin, Jeremiah Cobb, and the one carry Brian Batte had, running backs on the day, 23 carries, 130 yards. That's 5.6 yards a carry out of your running backs. And so for all the talk we've had about the game plan, about the passing attack and that sort of thing, the running backs were successful in, in the yardage department. Now, obviously, they did not have a good day overall because, well, they they didn't score a touchdown and they had uh, two fumbles, uh, one from Hunter and one from Austin. So you don't give that performance an A performance. But when you look at it, you say, well, they actually achieved a, a, a goal for how to run the football. You're averaging five and a half yards to carry out of your running backs. You're going to take that every single week. Oh, yeah. So they did have some merit to, hey, we are able to run the ball in pretty effective manners, but these fumbles, shortened drives, uh, just the, the lack of ability to make key passes or really any passes, uh, and then the quarterback run game, like they had a fourth and two where Robbie Asher did the quarterback sweep play and, and got nothing out of it and turnover yeah, on downs. I'm not a fan. Uh, and so they did not run effectively with the quarterbacks, but they ran ext- uh, really effectively with the running backs. So I, I don't think like if you're trying to build out a scenario where Auburn fixes the offense and, and plays well – I think that it starts with, okay, the running game, I still think all signs point to it being good. 
All signs point to it to have multiple options. I was a little surprised, quite frankly, they did play Jeremiah Cobb. I thought that there was a chance they would end up redshirting him this year, but I think that he's turned so many heads that they're going to use him, and he's going to play, and he's not going to get more carries than Austin or Hunter, but he's going to get more than Batia from what we saw yeah. against Cal. So so that moves Batia down. Uh, another rung on the depth chart. But I, I think that you've got such a talented backfield with so many guys that are capable of having these 50, 70, 80-yard production games. They're going to run the ball fine. And I think that's also a credit to what the offensive line did against Cal, too, because they broke down and pass pro a couple of times. But honestly, they did provide opportunities for running backs in the run game. It wasn't perfect. They did have one or two holds. But uh, again, they, they did a fair job there. Uh, and so, with all that being said, as bad of an offensive performance it was, as a big of a lack of passing as there was, there was at least something to, uh, that went well. If you take out the fumble part of it, the running backs did have a successful day just from a pure yardage standpoint and the fact that really all three of those guys had competent runs from time to time. We're going to take our first timeout of the show now. When we come back, uh, more from college football this past Saturday. We'll get into some of the other games. Again, the first SEC opponent for Auburn is Texas A&M. Where is the Jimbo Fisher hot seat meter now? It gets hotter and hotter, so we'll talk a little bit about that, some of the other happenings in the SEC from this past week. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 here on this Wednesday afternoon. Ryan LaVoy, Canberry, and Tom Peavy with you here. TP Hammock running the board, taking your phone calls this afternoon. Finally had some rain in the area earlier today. Finally had one of those uh, storms Pop-up pass storm. throughs. Yeah. Well, let's say it was weird. Uh, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine that lives down in Florida, and it was uh, pouring down rain there, and I was joking about it. It's like, yeah, we haven't seen any rain or anything up here in quite a while. Uh, outside of my apartment, bone dry, which is over by the vet school uh-huh. on Y Road. Uh, bone dry, hadn't done a drop. I, I get on uh, on Cox Road to come down this way, and as I get towards Bucky's and I 85, it's like soaking wet. And I'm like, yep, wow, okay, absolutely poured. I guess it just, yeah. poured, but it poured down rain right here. It just nothing like literally there, at, the vet, yeah. at the vet school bone dry no from here i took uh the interstate to get chick-fil-a today yeah and uh from here to to tiger town pouring absolutely huh. pouring going 50 on the interstate the whole nine yards uh so finally got a uh more more than a shower got a storm there speaking of storming it continues to storm in college station texas as the texas a&m aggies fell to miami 48 to 33 this past weekend in coral gables Miami has, you know, in year two with Mario Cristobal, at least 
now, I don't want to say turned a corner, but gotten a win that matters. So we'll see what Miami becomes this year. But for Texas A&M, uh, just another inauspicious beginning to the season. A season that really needed to be pretty big for them coming off the, of a big-time disappointment last year. And, guys, what's probably the most disheartening, I think it's even more disheartening than if the offense just flat out did not work, is that the offense was pretty good. They did have turnovers, but they had 30-something points, 400-something yards. That's a good output against a Power 5 team on the road. But they gave up 48. Tyler Van Dyke just sliced Dude, them apart. I'm looking. He shredded them. Yeah. I, I mean, he had, was a guy that got a little bit of hype two years ago uh, when, when he became the, the, the starter at Miami. Right. But I tell you what, I just think that with Texas A&M and the, the retraction there defensively, it just it shows you that it's a sinking ship, yeah. Because it's like the boat that has a hole in it, and you plug one hole, and then another hole opens and springs another leak, and you fix that hole, and there's another leak and another leak, and that's what it feels like. It feels like yeah, maybe they have found something with Connor Wigman on offense. Maybe they have figured something out on right. offense, but now you're giving up 48 points to Miami. <laughs> I mean that, that whole opens a whole new can of worms defensively. Yeah, it really it really does open up. I mean, Van Dyke threw for three seventy four and five touchdowns, only missed on nine passes. So I mean, no picks. A great game overall from him. Uh, it seemed like Miami was able to really essentially move the ball uh, almost at will uh, once they kind of really figured things out and got going. They 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 never looked back. I mean, you know, they had plenty of receivers. They had a guy that had five ninety four three touchdowns receiving um you know another guy that went for 126 yards so uh, yeah the defense is really what is worrisome i mean good for mario cristobal honestly like i said this was a pretty i thought this was a pretty you know like we said a big a big year for them in miami and they kind of needed to show that there was some upward trending um for cristobal but i also said that you know he'd probably even get one more year even if they weren't bad just because he's an alum um, with Texas A&M, this is worrisome. Um, like you said, the offense, you know, was fine. I mean, 33 points, that's pretty good. But, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, if you can't stop anybody, if you're giving up almost 50, doesn't matter. So you got to really fix that problem. I, I do wonder how many of those um, – how many of those players that left from that great class that he brought in were defensive guys? I, I'm curious. I don't know off the top of my head. Um, Several, yeah, but I, the answer to the question is a lot of the guys that started last year returned and are on this team and are now sophomores and juniors. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they're still working with guys that mm-hmm. were all really highly right. touted. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's not – there is still – again, I know, I know they lost like mm-hmm. 11 or so guys off right. that class. It is. It is. They're still because they. It wasn't just that one class. Right. Their other classes were top five classes. True. So they're all they're working with a bunch of fours and five stars. Yeah. And they're still re- and you're regressing on defense. Last year, Texas A&M had one of the best defenses. You know, I would say almost in the country, um, in terms of allowing points per game for sure. So. Yeah, regression. Not great. Uh, definitely would be worried because you're like, great, the offense is humming. Last year, that was a struggle. Now you're, you've found some offense, and now your defense is struggling. So where do you go yeah. from here? <laughs> so, Tom, is this does this end up being the last year of Jimbo Fisher in College Station? No. 
No, you don't think so. No. Now, do you think it's more they like actually write the ship high. a little bit, or they just will just not? They're not going to pay all that. I, I think I think they write the ship just enough to keep him around. Uh, like eight, seven, five, eight, four. Maybe. Yeah, uh, uh, they're going to make it. A, they'll do just enough to make it to where it's like, mm, I don't think we really need to do this buyout. I, I don't think they're going to have just an epic disaster of a season. So uh, I, I now if they have, if they just if the wheels just come off and I mean they just completely fall apart, I could see that happening. I I just don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to at least right the ship enough to for them to keep him around. So you, so basically, you saw the Miami performance as defense as concerning. They still got talent there, but you're kind of like okay, the offense does look like it's starting right. to get fixed. And yeah, my my thing is is like. They come up with a stretch, so obviously they'll beat ULM uh, this week, go up 2-1. They've got to win the next two. They have to beat Auburn. Right. They have to beat Arkansas on the road. Because if they don't, if they even split with Auburn and Arkansas, and they're 3-2, and two, they then host Alabama. They go to Tennessee. They host South Carolina, okay, but then they're at Ole Miss. Right. So that next four, they're probably coming out of that 1-3. and three. And so, if you already went into that three and two, and now you went one and three, you're four and five, okay? And you've still got LSU at the end of the season. So, I mean, where's your success story there? Because, okay, that might still get to six and six because they'll beat Abilene Christian and then they'll be hosting Mississippi State. So, I still like them there, but six and six, it's like. You're you're yeah. still paying for paying for number six in the country, not not six and six. Yeah, no, I mean, I I, I think they beat Auburn. Um, I, it, you know, as much as I want to, as much as I want to believe that Auburn is just going to get this thing all turned around in one year, I just still don't see it. I'm still I'm still sick, sticking to my my seven win total for Auburn that I predicted, which I predicted a win over Cal. I just predicted sure. the first that first loss for Auburn is going to be A and M. So that's still on the table. Uh, uh, I think A and M is still better than Arkansas. I the old Miss game. It's mm, don't know, um, but I think they're. It is in I, Oxford. It is in Oxford, but I think they're kind of equivalent. I could I could yeah. see Texas A and M beating Ole Miss just as easy. I could see Ole Miss beating them. Um, so. Uh, they can definitely get it done. They they've got the talent to get it done. They've you know it's just a matter of actually putting it together, and that's the big question that comes up with with Jimbo is the fact that you have had all this talent, you have had some of the best recruiting that anybody has ever seen, but yet you still can't get it done. I don't know what happened to him. I don't yeah. know if it was if it's just in hindsight the ACC was just just not any good at all because they had. Th- four to five really good years in a row at, at Florida State. Yeah. Obviously, Winston was a part of that's when they peaked and won the title, <laughs> went to the playoff in the first rendition of it in uh, 14. But I still, like, it, it wasn't the only thing they succeeded at. And it's a fall, it's a far cry, excuse me, to go from 10 or 11 wins at a big program like Florida State to be trying to f- scratch out eight. Yeah, you know, all of a sudden when you're recruiting the same way, I get the SEC is tougher. Although, again, we've got a commentary to, to be had about this particular year and what it looks like. But I know that in general, the SEC is tougher and, and that sort of thing. But you're a big name coach that has a title that's making all the money, that's getting all the recruits. I, I, I don't know what I, I, 
Other than just got this do? guy just got a, a stroke of luck for a couple years at, at Florida State, and yeah, and that in hindsight's twenty twenty, but I, I guess we're just going to have to revise what we thought about him because I don't I like I don't know how a, a good coach is not taking advantage to some degree of this. I'm not even saying you have to be winning a title, but the talent dictates you should be competing for it. The talent dictates that you should be closer to a title than to missing a bowl game. And yet they yeah. missed a bowl game last year, and they're I like I just laid out to you if they lose to either Auburn or Arkansas here in the next couple of weeks, they're going to be fighting to make a bowl game again. It's going to be the same song and dance. Yeah. Uh, so again, I there are there are levels to to rough situations, but uh, but one of the worst levels of it is what Texas A&M is with a huge buyout with a big name coach that's already gotten all the talent. Like there's really no way to recruit better than what they have. And yet they continue to struggle. It's been a fascinating conundrum there in College Station. We're going to take our next time out of the program. When we come back, we'll head to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line for the first time today. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. your attention please ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention we're auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show hi my name is what my name is my name is sports call on tiger 95.9 this is philip lolly former auburn tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 national championship team and you are listening to sports call Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday edition of the program. Let's now go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line for the first time today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-889-TIGER-9. First up, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? Hey, it's Wednesday. Uh, it's hump day. It's hump day. All right, it's uh, you, um, Tom, and who else? And Cam. And Cam. All right, welcome back, Cam. All right, let's get to it. Do Hello. you want the good or do you want the ugly? The good or the ugly? I usually like to start ugly. Ugly. Okay. This comes from Stat Tiger. This is about the continuing uh, issues with our quarterbacks. And this is what he says. He's found out from his research. During the final four starts under Cadillac Williams, Robbie Ashford generated 14 impact plays from a combined 137 runs and pass attempts, or one every 9.8 plays. This season, he has zero 
impact plays from 22 plays. He goes on to say that personally, he says, I'm good with giving him a series or two or utilizing inside the a red zone or short yardage. But he, he goes to say, I cringe. I cringe when he is subbed in during the middle of a drive. Now, I just read some of uh, Coach Freeze's comments, and uh, he even talked about that. Well, my uh, therapeutic advice as a former uh, retired therapist uh, is stop it. Just stop it. Don't do it anymore. Don't do this crap if it's not working, right? Isn't that pretty simple and straightforward and easy? Yes, uh, it should be. However, I want to go back to for a second of what defines an impact play. Uh, I would like the definition of that because Robbie Ashford did have three rushing touchdowns in week one, and to me a touchdown is an impactful play. Uh, so what exactly agree. is the definition of that? I don't know. Uh, he he doesn't define it on here. I know in the past he's defined it, but he doesn't do it in this comment. But he just says the, this season he has zero impact plays from 22 plays. And you're right. He scored three TDs for us right. in the red zone. So I'm because I'm just saying, like if it has to, if it pertains to like how how many yards a play was, well, you can't have a, a 37 yard play from the seven yard line. But if you you rush for a seven yard touchdown, well, then that's a pretty important and impactful play. So I don't know if that's the best way of looking at it, but I do agree that in the Cal game, certainly there was nothing impactful about Robbie Ashford's performance. I mean, that is certainly uh, what happened there. Uh, so again, like with many things in the Cal game, did not go as well as the UMass game, and something to monitor. And and I read the explanation, but you know, and I appreciate the Chief Freeze so far as candidates. But uh, wait a minute, guys, you know, what are you doing in the middle of a drive, subbing your quarterbacks, and now you're out of rhythm? Uh, and he said his explanation was he was trying to get a spark. Well, doesn't that also hamper the confidence level of your starting quarterback as well, though? It, it certainly can. Uh, it depends on each situation. depends on the mentality of the quarterback. And, again, I think everyone's in agreement that you, you can't be doing that mid-drive like that. I, some people will tell you they just don't want two quarterbacks at all, period, end of discussion. And the people that want – uh, to some degree, two quarterbacks or one, a little bit of Robbie Ashford will tell you you got to have a defined plan for it. It needs to be a particular package that's already built in the game plan and you don't stray from it. And so nobody out here wants to see two plays of this, one play of that, three plays of this, one play of that, two, you know, just on and on and on. Uh, and, and so the, they all know, I mean, uh, meaning the coaching staff, they all know that that was not the best way to handle that either. So I don't think that we're going to see something like that again. I just think that it all kind of revolved around them already entering the game with a lack of confidence in Peyton Thorne to the point where they really didn't trust much of anything that was going on and were kind of blindly throwing proverbial Hail Marys trying to find something to work offensively. And that comment right there is, to me, troubling. He said they didn't go, in, go, go into the game. They didn't maybe have that much confidence. Well, all I remember reading, and refresh my memory if I'm wrong, guys, is that Thorne was the one they chose because of his decision-making. Right. Yeah, no, again, like, they might feel uh, internally like they have confidence in Peyton Thorne. 
but what they portrayed on the outside with the game plan did not exhibit confidence in Peyton Thorne. And and like I said, when I try to follow their their thought process from the game plan on Saturday, I don't think it's bad to think, hey, let's try to run the ball a little bit early and try to assert some physicality into it and open up the passing game. But the problem was when they didn't do that to the degree they wanted to because of turnovers and other things, they then started to go into a merry-go-round of quarterbacks instead of, okay, well, that didn't really open up the way we wanted to. Well, let's let's have a couple of pass plays anyway here and try to figure it out. Again, Thorne only attempted, what, 14, 15 passes the whole game. So they never really, you know, they, they, they never really gave them – uh, gave him a, a, a big chance uh, to do that. And so, again, I, I think that m- maybe they they feel internally there's still confidence there, but just, again, what they portrayed on the outside was not was not much confidence in Peyton Thorne. Yeah, and then he says this comment, I'm talking about Freeze, everyone in this building understands that you've got to earn the right to maintain your playing time. Why would that need to be said? I'm sure they know that. Yeah, I mean, again, public declaration of it that, again, there's always competition there, and again, they are not going to. If Thorne were to, if they were to open it up, and Thorne have a, a bunch of mistakes or turnovers, that they're not going to sit there forever and watch it. But again, I just think that we were dealing with such a small sample size. Look, it, it was six of eleven for like forty yards until that last drive, or until the the drive where he had the the the, the touchdown. And so in that sample size, yeah, there's not much good at all there to, to look at. Decision-making, throws, concepts, uh, I mean, not, none of it. But also some of that was at that point in the game, you should have more than 11 pass attempts to be able to accurately judge what's going on with your quarterback play there. So, again, I just think that they have, they have on, on every occasion from what they've actually done in games here, they've exemplified a lack of confidence in that, you know they they made that decision and said hey thorn's starting but they have really not ever or not so far they've not really embraced that concept of a, of he is the guy and that he's going to get a, a, a big opportunity to have a big passing game so would you say it's fair to say from your comments Ryan I want to hear those guys too that uh, I'm, I'm hearing that a lot of this uh, ineptness and uh, just really com- discombobulation that we saw, our offense is on the hands that lapse of the offensive coaching staff, Hugh Freeze and Montgomery, and not so much on Thorne? I, I think more of it's on the coaching staff right now than Thorne, yes, because we don't even – again, I don't even have the, the – uh, enough tape, enough attempts to really tell you what Peyton Thorne is. He's thrown 31 pass attempts this year. Uh, that That is what you would expect to throw usually per game or at least close to it in a balanced offense. Uh, and, and so it's not all been bad. I mean, again, it was when, it had, when you had to have it, you did get it in the Cal game. And then, again, the 10 out of 17 for a buck 40 against UMass, yeah, there was a couple more incompletions than you want, but the completions were several of them down the field and, and, and competent passes. So, again, I don't, I don't think you're sealing uh, – you're, you're, you're you know, concealing Peyton Thorne's ability to be a Heisman candidate. No, I don't think that that's his ceiling or what he's going to be or anything like that. 
but I also don't think that he's played so poorly poorly that you need to be looking for any other way to move the football other than his arm. So again, that's why I think it is more so on the coaching staff because we've not really seen this opened up. And and look, if you want to provide a counterpoint to why that is, you say, well, they maybe thought they, they could be basic against Cal and not have to show anything and save it all for conference play. Full fine, but still dict uh you know the the game dictates what you need to do and when you're struggling the way that they were to continue to not open up the game and continue to go to to Ashford from time to time in the middle of a drive that just showed me that it was more than just being simple that was it was a, again a lack of confidence and guys that's why I was so frustrated yesterday when I said you know I expected better from Peyton Thorne who behave as if he was a, a freshman you know, uh, Saturday instead of the guy that played for two years as a starter at Michigan State and threw for over 6,000 yards. I said, where is that guy? You know, that's why I was saying all that. Uh, and, and that's and then I guess wide receivers you know, aren't, aren't doing what they need to do. But I saw Freeze, uh, he made the comment that he's going to be attending uh, the meetings in the offense more than he has been. And he said apparently they had a tough meeting with uh, the coaches. Uh, well, I hope he did have a tough meeting because, huh. like he said, this this ain't gonna uh, this ain't gonna do it. All right, right. boy, this is. Uh, and I, I'm not even I'm not even convinced that anything we see against Sanford is going to be foretelling of anything. No, uh, do no. you agree? No. Yeah, no, they they can yeah. score seventy points, and I I would not say it equates to automatic success. Obviously, you want to score as many points as you can, you want to play as well as you can, but that that does not mean that's going to translate the next couple weeks. And I said yes, eight too. And I hope that this happens, guys. But you know, I don't want to see handoffs to the running backs. I want to see some attempts at forty-yard, you know, fifty-yard bombs because we haven't done any of that. Remember those stats I told you? Right. You know, One twenty-three nationally. Yeah. Uh, surely they will do that, right? Uh, I don't think they'll do it a lot. I I, I would hope to see Why it a not? couple of times. Go ahead. I mean, what happens if you throw a few interceptions? Is Sanford really going to beat us? By doing that, yeah, no, Sanford's not going to beat Auburn. But again, I, I mean, we'll see. I, I, I don't know what it will look like. I, I'll just, I, I, I would want to see some down the field passing. But again, I have every reason to believe. I think Tom was talking about this yesterday. They're not going to start all of a sudden be doing a bunch of intricate stuff to show off against Sanford. Uh, they, they're going to do a few more things to try to feel comfortable about certain things. But they're not going to start. You're just airing out every single play, running all their best stuff right before they actually play A&M and Georgia in the SEC. No, I, I, I don't mean to say we throw our best stuff, but I'm sort of like what the late Rob Bramble said, you know, go crazy Cadillac, go crazy Peyton, just go crazy Freeze. You know, throw the damn ball. You know, throw it 30 times uh, this coming weekend, not 14, 15 times. That's all I'm – Oh, that's what I mean. Yeah, I I think they're probably going to try to pass it a little bit more just to uh, well, just to try just to try to just to try to work on that aspect of the game. But also, uh, while not showing all your cards, they also need to show A and M and these other teams that that is a threat that they, that they can stretch the field and that that the, uh, that passing is part of the game. So I, I fully expect them to. Not just completely go pass happy. This is, I don't think they're going to look like uh, a Mike Leach team out there throwing the ball sixty times, but they're going to throw it more. Oh, I would like to see at least 30, 35 passes. Do you think that's unrealistic? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think they'll be in the twenties probably. I I just why, because why, why 20? because Come it on. well because if it works if it works and you're up forty nine nothing you're not just going to be keep chucking it away. Uh, no, no, no. I, I want to see our second, third, three people like Gerda come in and throw ten passes. I mean, they might they'll throw a couple, but again, I'm just telling you, that's not you. I they, they, I think they'll throw it more too, but I just you know to put a number on it. To say they're going to go to 30-35, a certain game situation might have to happen for that. So the reason I say that because if we don't show that we can throw the darn thing and catch uh, from our receivers and not loafing, uh, then if I'm A&M, I ain't worried about the pass. What if quarterbacks combine for 20-25 for 300 yards and four touchdowns? Do you think they need yeah. to keep throwing at that point? Yeah. In fact, I don't want to see a combine from uh, our two or three quarterbacks – I want to see Peyton Thorne throw at least 25 passes. Now, that's me, guys. I want to go crazy. All right. A couple more minutes with us, even in the hour be over. Let's go to the good, to the real good, okay? Let's switch over and go to the Atlanta Braves. Yes, sir. Wow. Uh, Mr. Uh, Olsen did it. He tied uh, the record, right? 51. Yep, already tied it with Andrew, 51. All right. Now, I saw this. Okay. Uh, It says, hey, Karen, I didn't know this. Never hit 50 home runs in a season. Yep, no, he had hit 30 and 40 a bunch, but never 50. 45 was a single high in 62, yep. it says here. Yep. All right. And then we go on to this. Acuna uh, 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 and Marcel Ozuna, I don't even know him, um, tied and then broke the NL record of 280 set by the Los Angeles Dodgers for. I guess uh, hits. What is that? No, most homers from the, a National oh, League team in a year. Yeah, that's that's it, right? Okay, so 2019. But then we've got who else? The Twins, right? We're 26 homers behind the yep. Twins. Can they do it realistically, guys? The realistically, homers? yes, they can do it. They are on pace to do it by about four or five homers. So again, it's not a certainty that they will. But if they keep on like this, then yes, on pace for on pace to do that. So right now they have what 311. Uh, I think that's what they're on pace for, maybe. I think, they, yeah, the Braves are at 281 right now, and I think the record's oh, like 307. Yeah, I think the record's like 307 or something like that. Okay, the record's 307. And you think there's a high probability they can do this? Yeah, I would say better, than, better more likely than not, but not a certainty. Right. They, now, they, could, they could hit a slump where they just struggle to hit home runs, but they are definitely hitting home runs on a pace to reach that mark. Okay, as a, I guess, a disclaimer here, uh, Bleach Report says, if you're curious, it says, in 2019, uh, when the Minnesota Twins did this, this was the year they called for the juiced ball. Yes. No, there was all kinds of, all kinds of homers and, and slugging percentage being up, yeah. And, finally, as a bonus, guys, uh, Ronald also passed Dale Murphy's single-season runs record. Didn't know that. Yes, sir. Yes, he did. Murphy scored 131 runs in 83. And I guess Mr. Acuna's already overpassed that. 132. Day. Yep. 132. Wow. Yep. Okay. So we should say uh, the Braves should have an easy, I guess, from here on out to get the number one seed overall? Yeah, one seed, yes. They're going to be the one seed in the National League. They still got the best record of Major League Baseball. I mean, they, they should be number one for both AL and the NL, right? Yeah, they they would host the World Series if they got there. Okay. Hi, right, guys. That's what I got. Hey, thanks so much again for the additional therapy hour today. Uh, and I'm, I say, you know, your comments are merited, 
And I think, you know, if you guys see this stuff and I'm, you know, frustrated like heck, you know, surely somebody who just paid millions of dollars says this ain't going to work. Surely so. Surely so. Hi, guys. Thank you for your time. I know my time is way, way up. So until tomorrow, have a safe afternoon and uh, War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, Steve. Appreciate that phone call as always. That's Retire Warrior M. Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are out of time for hour number one, but stay tuned. A lot more college football and pro football coming up in hour number two. The Wednesday edition of Sports Call continues in a moment. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ Tuskegee Auburn, and AM620 WTRP LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Barry with you here on this Wednesday edition of the program. TP Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls this afternoon. So, with uh, the start of the 4 o'clock hour, as promised, we're going to have a giveaway. So, if you call us right now at 334-887-3401, you win two tickets for Auburn Sanford to the first person that calls in again 334-887-3401 or toll free 1889 Tiger 9 you can win two tickets to the Auburn and Sanford game and of course that is a game in which you would think would be cheaper ticket prices I looked online yesterday SeatGeek which is the official yeah. sponsor now the cheap, cheapest was 56 does it, yeah. Does that include fees? I don't know if it includes fees. They have like a. That's uh, what I like. Tick pick, which does not include, or which does not have fees, was yeah. was like ninety eight. Huh. Yeah, I'm not kidding. It, it was. I it was very high. So again, if you want to win two tickets to Auburn and Sanford, give us a call right now three three four eight eight seven three four zero one. That's As what a, I like about SeatGeek. Yeah, they have the option that shows the include mm-hmm. fees that like yeah. not every other one. Not every other ticket place has. Yeah, StubHub might do that too. StubHub, I, one, I don't know. one of the other ones does. I don't too, know. I think I don't. Ticketmaster's not great about it, but yeah, SeatGeek. Yeah. That's why I pretty much now. That's when I go to buy tickets. That's almost exclusively where I go now. Yeah, I go to uh, again, like I said, a tick pick because 
it's a little lesser known, but again, there are there are no fees. There's like yeah. a two dollar tax on the mm-hmm. ticket or something. Better like that, than StubHub. Yeah, no, it really is because you you come out a little cheaper because of all the all the fees yeah. uh, that that rack up. I mean, sixty and seventy dollar tickets end up costing eighty and ninety dollars. Uh, through all the fees. So, uh, anyway, uh, again, those tickets still available for the time being. First person to call, two tickets to Auburn and Sanford, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. All right, let's talk some more college football here. As we talked a little bit about A&M's travails uh, week two here against Miami, let's talk about a couple of SEC games that did go the way of the SEC team, Ole Miss, Tulane, and uh, Mississippi State and Arizona. Uh, so Mississippi State holds on there. They had a a lead. It got tied up, and yeah. then uh, Arizona forced overtime. Mississippi State wins in overtime. Ole Miss's game was interesting because Michael was. Pratt did not end up no. playing, but Tulane was not being out physical. Ole Miss scored, I think, like – three plays into the game and it looked like they were just going to go up and down the field yeah and then they didn't score another touchdown in the first half i don't believe <laughs> no they didn't uh and, and so it was that was a weird one too what do you think of some of that so that was an interesting game i feel like Tulane just i i guess in the first half they definitely were, were they were pushing real hard especially on that defensive side of the ball they were they were standing up. They were shutting down Ole Miss's run game. Uh, I, I honestly think they had to turn to to passing just a little bit more. I mean, th- I mean, very uncharacteristic. Like, I mean, Quinshawn Junkins really got shut down. I mean, 18 carries for 48 yards, averaged 2.7 yards per carry. You know, just just one touchdown. Uh, I think, which was you know maybe close to a goal line touchdown. Um, 89 total rushing yards. Very, very, uh, very uncharacteristic for yeah. Very not like Ole Miss. So uh, they had to kind of switch up their their game style. Honestly, they had to pass the ball a little bit more than you'd expect. Jackson Dar had a solid game in terms of throwing the ball. Uh, threw for two sixty seven and then two touchdowns. Did throw an interception, but uh, oh my gosh! And that was a that was a bad interception. Now that I think about it, that was that was one I said. Oh, I was watching it. I audibly said, "Oh, Jackson, no." Um, because that one, that one was a rough one. I think he, he threw it into like double coverage or something like that, and it, it was just an ugly one. Um, so yeah, I, but overall, just a, just a different game. Honestly, it's just something that they had to switch up because it seemed like Ole Miss, or excuse me, it seemed like Tulane just sniffed out the run game, um, and and so uh, they had to really turn to passing the ball a lot more and. Uh, it, it did end up working out in their favor. They ended up kind of uh, pulling away, especially in the fourth quarter. It was a lot easier um, for them to really score and move the ball. But overall, yeah, they they um, they had to just be different. It was it was very interesting to see. I, I that one uh, that one surprised me. I I really kind of thought Tulane would would win that one just because Tulane had been playing such at a high level and it was at. Tulane. I that thought they keep it close, and they did for a half. They did for sure. three quarters, honestly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, they led. Uh, they led seventeen to ten. Ten at halftime. Uh, then Ole Miss scored uh, the touchdown in the third to take the lead, and then put the twenty burger on the board in the fourth. Yeah. And pulled away. Um, I I thought Tulane would win that. I thought that uh, 
like I said, Tulane I thought was playing at a high level and it being at Tulane, I thought it just set up perfect for that upset. <laughs> that yeah. and, it, and I say upset, it, I mean, yeah, it would have been an upset, but I mean, they're both ranked very similar to each other, so in the poll ranking it would not have been that much of an upset, but it would have been an upset in the fact that little Tulane. Big school, little school. Big yeah. school, little yeah, school. Yeah. For, former SEC team against current SEC team. <laughs> well, but again, uh, the point cannot be glossed over. Michael Pratt did not play in that game. Right. Tulane's quarterback, right. who yeah, they, they, they was, did have their backup, is, is a school record holder in okay. a lot of quarterback statistics. Like, he is a truly, if no one's watched him, He's so, truly a good quarterback. I was saying, so that I didn't. Was a I didn't know how. Loss. I didn't know how big of a deal that was. In all right. honesty, it is. It is. I, again, I'm not trying to say Ole Miss wasn't a one, but that game functioned a lot different when you consider you got a all time performer at the school, and then the backup Kai Horton is like 15 of 30 yeah. something. It wasn't uh, and 15 of 36. Hit a couple he, yeah. deep balls. Yeah, I would say he wasn't but, half bad. But I mean, he again, he added nothing to but it. He's a backup. Right. Yeah. And so I'm just saying that there was a chance that Pratt played that game while Ole Miss was stumbling around offensively in the middle portion of that game. That Tulane could have built a lead yeah, instead of just been up right. 7. Yeah, they could have been yeah, up 2 yeah. or 3 scores honestly because what I think was most disturbing if you're Ole Miss, and you can. I mean, there's something disturbing about really all the SEC teams except for Georgia right now. I mean, and Georgia well, we just played, even, I mean, played such say. little competition. Yeah. Let's wait for South Carolina game. But if you're Ole Miss, 35 carries, 89 yards, and a touchdown rushing the ball. And either way you slice it, Judkins was 2.7 a carry, yeah. Dart was 2.9. Their other three carries zero. were zero. Like, they there's no way to in, slice. Man. They ran well in yeah. zero ways. Uh, and, and so, I mean, th- that was, again, another sign that the SEC is not out physicaling these teams. They're just not. They're mm-hmm. not doing it. Uh, and, and so, I still think highly of Ole Miss, but. How highly? Not the ultimate highly. You know, not to the point where I think it's foolproof. Not to the point where I think they're actually going to win the West, uh, because again, there are issues there now. Again, credit them not letting the backup beat them, and the defense did look acceptable. And again, I can recall a time when Ole Miss defense wouldn't have stopped a, right. a, a tree. <laughs> uh, but you know. Still, they got a break with Pratt not playing there, so I'm not sure I know enough about Ole Miss defense. Asterisk. <laughs> Mississippi State, important win for them. Like I said, over Arizona, 31-24. Pac-12 finally suffering a couple losses because uh, they had that like 17-0, 18-0 stretch right. to start the year. Finally suffering a couple losses at the hands of Auburn and at Mississippi State. There was some weirdly low-scoring stuff in the league last week. You know, Missouri was disgusting against Middle Tennessee. They only won 23-19. Uh, you know, uh, Tennessee, after really beating the brakes off of Virginia, was underwhelming. They it's Austin P. Yeah. Uh, and then even Kentucky. I mean, 28-17. If you look at Devin Leary's numbers, they're fine. They're not bad. But, again, certainly no dominance over a team that they need to be beating pretty easily. And I know Eastern Kentucky, blah, 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 good in the FCS, blah, blah, blah. But – uh, again, that like there's almost every single team. Of course, Vandy fought out lost Wake Forest, but that didn't surprise me. I, I just don't know whose stock is going up at the moment in the that, league. There's none. That, that's just the simple fact. There's none. 
Georgia, again, like you mentioned, is the only one that has done what is taking care of business, but yeah. they've literally played nobody. Yeah. Uh, I, well, I guess that's not literal. They have actually played somebody. They played yeah. a. <laughs> A group of humans. Yes, they um, have. They yeah. have. They have played against other people, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's been a, it's been one of those struggle years to start out for the SEC. There, there's a, a skit, the uh, Matt Mitchell guy that uh, does the uh, skits the, uh, about the SEC football. shorts. He's down. He now he has appeared on the SEC shorts, but he's uh, the down south. The Saturday down yeah. south. It wasn't Saturday. So it's the group from Birmingham that does all the skits about mm-hmm. Southern. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy, sure. the guy with the beard. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. Go ahead. He's got his own thing. He he did a whole skit about the SEC right now, especially week two of all of them. Ch- basically, they're all. Oh, he eating. did the roll call, right? Well, he did the roll call thing, but the latest one he did is they're all. Um, each team he's got he's dressed up in a different shirt for the school or outfit for the school, and they're all eating cupcakes. Yeah, and choking yeah, on them. yeah. I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen it. Yeah, it was pretty funny. That was a funny video. <laughs> that guy puts out really good videos. Yeah. So yeah, every team is sitting there eating cupcakes and choking on them. So through two weeks, stocks going down, not a lot of confidence in a lot of teams. How, how has the first two weeks sh- shaped your view of the league or the hierarchy of the league? Are there is there anything that you'd change from what you thought going into the season yet? No, no. Just um, maybe a, a little I, I, lesser version of something. You know, honestly, I'll, I'll say this: the the only uh, the only one that is like really kind of jumped out at me uh, is Alabama and the way that they got beat by Texas. Uh, that's the one that you know I would have thought would have been a dominant force, and they still may be a dominant force, but. I mean, anytime you watch a team come into their home stadium and beat them the way that Texas did, well, their their defense looks weak. Milrow looks weak. Um, You know, I think they've got some other issues on offense that that are going to give them a problem. If if there's one thing that kind of surprises me, it's that. Uh, And and then you know LSU also to an extent because I thought LSU would be better. Again, these teams. I mean, it's still. I, I still want to say it's still so yeah. early to try to figure it out. I mean, uh, uh, I'm just. I'm yeah. just taking the temperature of the room. Yeah, I, I, I think it's early. I, I think you'll once everybody starts playing each other, then you'll get a better feel for what's going on. Because I just I don't know about you know, people just kind of sleepwalking through some of these games, and it's just like, yeah, man, you were supposed to dominate them, and it's like, well, I mean, it was Austin P. Right. You know, do we really need to sell out to beat Austin P? No, you know. Does it look good on paper? No. Did we get a win? Yes. Yeah. That's why you can't yeah. do the transitive property because yeah. if you did the transitive property, Austin P would beat Virginia by multiple scores. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's, I still don't even think you would go there now. Virginia's right. not any good, but you know, I, I really think you'll start being able to tell more about this conference once you they get into conference play and they start yeah, facing yeah. each other. You'll then you'll it'll start kind of panning out on on who the top dogs are and who the who the weaklings are. Um, I you know you can like I said you can kind of get a very small sample size of things. I mean, obviously, like we said with Alabama, you can tell that Milrow is not to the caliber of quarterback that they have had. It looks like their secondary may not be of the caliber that we're used to seeing. Uh, LSU obviously looks like there's some problems there that maybe we didn't realize. Either that or just Florida State is one of the best teams, literally one of the best teams in the country, 
and FSU just went up against a buzzsaw. Or I'm sorry, LSU just went up against a buzzsaw. That's a very good possibility. Yeah. We don't know anything about Georgia because they have just played absolutely nobody. And that's really kind so, of your sample size. Yeah. And, and, I mean, with Auburn, I mean, we still don't even know what to expect with our with our own team. You know, was, was, was the Cal game an anomaly? Was that just, you know, jet lag from being out there on the West Coast and playing at midnight? Or is yeah. that legitimately the Auburn we're going to see? I I don't know. Yeah, I I felt like it was going to be a relatively competitive season in the SEC overall because I didn't think outside of Georgia, I still think Georgia's you know the best team in the in in the SEC. You know, I was not as high on Bama. Uh, I thought they were going to beat Texas, or excuse me, I thought they were going to lose to Texas, and uh, I ended up being right because I just felt like Texas was overall just kind of a better team. I, I just felt like Alabama just doesn't have that quarterback that's truly dynamic and can really change the game. I just didn't think the secondary was that great. Their defense just looks a little weak and, and unmotivated. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of, that that's kind of where I sat with Bama um, LSU. Obviously, like you said, Tom has some things they have to fix. I thought the LSU would be a little bit better than, than they seem to be. Um, but everybody else, I felt like could go either way. So it's just, you know, like you said, Tom, we will figure out how, how they really are once they play each other, once the SEC, like once we get into the SEC schedule. But I, I feel like, I feel like the SEC is overall just going to kind of beat up on each other. And Georgia just kind of, kind of be sitting at the top and, you know, they'll be fine. But other than that, and like you said, Ryan, you don't know how Georgia's going to look because they haven't played anybody. Uh, South Carolina is going to be the first real challenge, and we'll see. I don't know if you know. We kind of thought South Carolina might be a little bit better than they are, so it's just again, you again, just don't all, know. It really just all stems from the fact that the SEC has not been good out of conference no. to start the year, and that shifts realities around a bit. And I know you know there's going to be some fans out there that want all the SEC teams to lose. Period. Uh, because they're going to be Auburn fans that only root for Auburn, that sort of thing. There's going to be some right. people out there that only root against Auburn's rivals, and there's going to be some people out there that you know want, in general, the SEC to succeed in most ways. Again, maybe not Alabama or Georgia, but right. would want the rest of the SEC uh, to succeed. And I am in that part of the equation. I am in the latter there where, yeah, I'm not rooting for Bama and Georgia on a weekly basis, That's but true. I'm going to root for the rest of the league because I don't want the national perception to change. I, I don't want the SEC to feel like they're f- going to not be the dominant league anymore, not be the number one league. Uh, and this could just be a weird year because, well, if you want if you want my take right now, the best conference in the country is the Pac-12. <laughs> yeah. If you want my yeah, take for of what it is right for now. Real. Now, that could Pac-12 change. Pac-12 looking crazy. And it certainly won't be that way next year. No, sir. Uh, but when you look at the viability of USC, Oregon, and Washington all in the playoff picture, Utah's a really solid team. Oregon State's a really solid team. The emergence of Colorado as at least an offensively great team. We'll True. see what they are as a full team. Wazoo, uh, the big Washington upset. State upsets what was going to be the Big Ten's fourth best team, yep. probably, and Washington State somewhere around seven, eight, nine in the Pac twelve. Mm-hmm. Like this is like the Big Ten's obviously not had problems like the SEC. Right. But again, when you're taking if who's the best league, sure you right. give me Ohio State, Michigan, and then some Penn State, but 
again, the Pac-12 is not far behind by taking Oregon, Washington, and USC. So what do you have below that? And then if you're in the SEC and you're thinking, well, you got Bama, Georgia, and Tennessee or, or whoever as the third, well, it's like, well, Bama's, Bama as your 1A or 1B just lost to Big 12's one in texas and you're thinking about okay if i like lsu maybe third well lsu just lost to the acc's 1a or 1b right uh and so you're not having proof of concept there with the top of the league and like i just said there's set there's eight ranked teams in the pac 12 this week now you might not subscribe to that there should be eight ranked pac 12 teams but i give you at least six of them are legitimate maybe seven uh and so you know that that's Half a league right. deserves to be in the top yeah. twenty-five. You know that that is competitive with any other league in the country there. Absolutely. And so if and you even go down the line, if Cal, who's like the tenth best team in the Pac-12, and Arizona, who might be the worst or the second worst team in the Pac-12, is taking State and taking Auburn, who are in the bottom half of the SEC, to overtime in the close games. Again, it's all neck and neck there, even towards the bottom. You can't even say, well, the SEC's bottom's better. Well. By a point, yeah, you know, by, by, by a sniff right, here and right. there. Uh, and so that's the interesting thing that this one-off here doesn't change the history. The SEC's been the best league the last 10, 15 years. But this year, there's been a little bit of a swap going on. But interestingly enough, it's not even necessarily the Big Ten taking it. It is the Pac-12 who will then offer their – their teams to the Big Ten and to the right. and to the Big Twelve, yep. but then you get SEC gets to reap the benefit of maybe Texas is finally close to back. I, I I'm going to wait for them to make a playoff before I say yeah. they're back, even though it feels like they're yeah, back. Yeah, uh, they're, but they're getting there though. Then it's the SEC up. right gets to reap the benefit of Texas might be the best it's been in, in since 09's title game. So that will the dynamic will change again next year. But I think that. You, that's why it's so interesting because you're not really married to a clear high hierarchy right now, especially if Alabama is not going to be separating themselves. They might end up still running the table. That you know they they again they have a lot of these games at home, but the possibilities exist for the teams like Ole Miss and like LSU and like Tennessee that are still within the margin of error of being able to beat them. But the problem is is that I don't think any of those teams will, will prove or will ultimately separate themselves in a way to be playoff contenders. You know, And so you're going to be looking at uh, Georgia being just the clear team there yeah. to be in the playoff because, again, like if – you can't really get to two losses and be confident about it. Like the scenario exists where you get in with two losses because Auburn would have been in in 17, for example, with two losses and they wouldn't have even been four or three. They would have been probably number two. But if you're at two losses, you then need help. Like you don't control everything about your destiny. And if the PAC 12, who's been the SIB conference of the power five, the last seven or eight years, if that's going to have the teams it has right now, they're, they're going to find a playoff team. They're going to find at least one playoff team there, and the Big Ten's going to have at least one playoff team with Michigan and Ohio State. And then if Florida State's for real, because they, they clocked yeah, LSU, they if they go beat Clemson, then they're going to have a great chance being in the playoff. So all of a sudden, you're definitely not looking at two spots. You're just trying to make sure you have that Georgia or whatever. And, again, we know how we feel about them. But I, it just, it's, it's interesting. I'm not trying to – 
Like, I'm not... What, what's the DEFCON ratings? Is DEFCON 1 the worst? Like, DEFCON 1's war and DEFCON 5 is peace? Is that what it is? Or do I... I always the invert opposite. that. Yeah, I, I think it's the opposite. So DEFCON 5 is war and DEFCON think, 1 yeah. is like, hey, everybody loves each other. Yeah. Uh, I'm not trying to say it's DEFCON 5, but it's at least a 3 right now where it's like, hey, you know what? You actually see a, a, a finally cannibalization of the... Uh, the SEC yeah. to the point of actually being detrimental, and that's why I don't want it to be that way. Because when you start losing non-conference games and you start opening yourself up to that, you know there's going to be some crossover in the conference. You're not just going to have two teams go seven or eight and zero, and then everybody else goes four and four. Uh, and so, I, I just uh, I don't know. It's been weird. It's been a little little disappointing. As we move in the 12-team playoff, it's going to become more and more relevant, I think, to be good out of conference because you're going to be fighting for bids two, three, four out of a conference. And I've been sitting here like, hey, you know what? The SEC is going to get four, maybe five every year. And if they lose a, a, a plethora of non-conference games with all the biggest teams, then, yeah, they'll always get more than one. They'll yeah. get at least two. But then you're not going to start racking up the big totals you think you will uh, if you are, if everyone's losing a non-con game on top of losing one to two games in conference play, yeah, uh, yeah I mean it, it shapes out. You know, I don't, I don't want to say necessarily bad, but you know, trying I guess would be the best thing for the SEC. But I, I, I also think though it's good for college football. It's showing the parity, yeah, across college yeah, football. Yeah, that's not and, half and bad. So, sure. So I, I don't mind that to, to where we're not having the one or two just fully dominant teams that oh yes just, no that, i don't want that like at all two teams yeah. and then the rest of everybody else and let's see who plays them it feels like right now it could be anybody and of course it's really hard to george judge georgia right now because we just don't know i mean they've, they've played two complete cupcakes so we'll see i still do think georgia will be a dominant team um, you still don't know really between Michigan and Ohio State right now which one I, I would uh, I would lean that Michigan is the better team, but you really don't know between those. We just we talked about the Pac-12; those teams are beating everybody. You still think the Southern Cal might be the team out there, but it could be Oregon, it could be Utah, it could be Washington. I mean, Michael Penix may have a yeah. a, a Heisman year. I mean, who knows? I want it more than anything um, to be Colorado. I you, you know I want it to be. I do too because I, I want to prove myself right. To be I, I don't. I want. I I want it to be because I want to be right. I just I, think it's so fun. I, I I'm telling you with the Colorado. You would thing, be right, Tom. You would I, be right. Everybody called me an idiot you two, would, I, two years hey, ago. I I was not against you. No, I was no, not I don't against. Need, I right. said that Auburn wouldn't do it. Sure, you feel me, no, but right. I I was with you. I no. mean, I was like, all right, cool. I was not as vocal as you were, but I was not against you. I I I think it's absolutely very. No, I don't need the Joseph Goodmans of the world writing each week that Deion Sanders should have been Auburn's coach. I don't need. No, that. I know. Uh, yeah. Why Why would <laughs> you root? Like, for, why would you if stuff. if it's going to become about that? Why would you root for that? Right. Well, that's fair. Okay. Because if that's people fair. are going to make it about that, I don't make it about that. But if if idiots like Joe Goodman are going right. to make it about that, right. then it feels like you have to defend your own hire, even if your hire uh, is perfectly reasonable. Right. Yeah. I, Which and, is sure, for so, sure. For and sure. So, and so to be clear, like I'm not. I, I'm glad that Colorado is fun. I said it last week. I'm glad. I'm glad they're fun. I, I think it's awesome that they are going to be a competent team after winning one game. And Dion is already proving people wrong in a, in a lot of ways. But do I want them to go have unparalleled success 
when Auburn's like, oh, we could have hired him, but now it's seven and five. I don't want a a different version of Kirby Smart. Right. Auburn could have hired Kirby Smart right. a decade ago, yeah. right. and they didn't. And now look what that became. And and, and you had some Who success misses? with Gus. It oh, wasn't it wasn't a barren wasteland, but it was also not at all what Kirby Smart has ended up doing. Right. And so I don't want 2.0 of that. I don't want to say, hey, Deion Sanders won a freaking national championship at Colorado like it's the 1990s all over again. <laughs> Whereas Auburn's like, yeah, 8-4. and four. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. It's not going to be what I root for. It'll, it'll just bring some pain uh, to your heart. He, he, yeah. won, he won the national title and had the number one and number two uh, votes in the Heisman. Gosh, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, like, just this weekend, I'm looking right now on Twitter, the shows that are going to be in Boulder this weekend. College game day is going to be there. Fox Big Noon Kickoff is going to be there. First Take is going to do a live show from there. And 60 Minutes is doing a story there. Crazy. Yeah. That's just, I mean, Boulder, Colorado. Like, who would have no. just the, the, <laughs> the publicity? Beacon of college yeah, football. like, seriously. No, <laughs> like, it's insane. And just, I mean, it's absolutely mind-blowing. I'm not saying I'm expecting them to win in, like, a national championship or something like that. Or just, but competitive a uh, competitive games like right. the way that they play like if they were to beat I mean cuz I mean they have a tough schedule ahead I mean yeah, they, they got Oregon yeah, too I mean they got Oregon, Oregon and yeah. then they still have USC so yeah. like it's not like they have a cakewalk no. of a schedule right. if they even beat one of those teams it's going to be mayhem it's going to be insane I mean the USC Colorado game might be one of the highest scoring games no. probably at least of the year at least of the year. So, so that that's the game. I, I'm actually, I, I'm not, I, I'm not surprised that uh, game day is already pulling the trigger and get, and going there. <laughs> I wish I, they I had was, I, I, I really thought that game day was kind of going to circle. If we're going to go to Boulder, we're going to go to that Southern Cal yeah, game. I agree. That's the one that I thought they would. They might go back. To. They're going. Well, they, 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 they big noon Saturday is going there three straight weeks. Sheesh. Yeah. Their game was in Champaign, Illinois. They already said last week before this Colorado game they were going to Champaign, Illinois for Illinois Penn State. And then they said swerve on Saturday after they saw the ratings again, and they said we're going back to Colorado third wow. straight week. Yeah. That's crazy. So yeah, that's game, wild. I, I, so I mean, now the game day can go so back. The, yeah, yeah I'm sure game day could go they, back. They probably will because I was like, man, they pulled it so early. Like Colorado State, they're probably going to beat Colorado State up. Honestly, yeah. You know, they're not the the Rams aren't a great team, um, but. I, I was. I, I guess you're right. I mean, they can go back. So yeah. what? Well, I mean, yeah, you know, as many times as they get it, if the ratings are continuing to pee up, then yeah. But not, but uh, I figured game day would go there. I think uh, just looking down the way, I think Oregon beats Colorado. I think Oregon has the offense that is going to be able to beat them, and so I think that happens. However, I, I in my predictions preseason, I think Colorado beats Southern Cal. Because it's at Boulder, that atmosphere is going to be crazy. That's going to be their <laughs> so first like it big was a, atmosphere game. It was a yeah. big atmosphere for the Nebraska game, oh, sure. Yeah. But this is going to be like different. this is going to be different. Nebraska is still not very good. I agree. This is going to be the one that it's like Deion. This is that would be his first marquee signature win, win, the first signature win, and, and I think that happens. That's why I also was like thinking that's when game day was going to be there to try to be there for that event. We need to take our first time out of the 4 o'clock hour as it's gone on a little bit. When we come back, we'll go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Do you want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Now, back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday edition of the program. Let's go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one tiger 9 Next up, we've got Jones from Pike Road. Jones, how are you doing this afternoon? Doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Doing well. Awesome. Good. i got a couple of observations. Being an old, old Auburn grad, first, there's three observations. The first I want to make is our coach. He was successful because he took charge and called the plays like Steve Spurrier. He walked out in that game Saturday night. He looked like a deer in the headlights. He turned over play calling to somebody. Ridiculous. He should have taken charge of that game early. My second observation is we have had a sample size of Robbie long enough. Put him third string. Ask him to be a slot receiver. It has nothing to do with the color of his skin. He simply cannot quarterback in this type of offense if Hugh Freeze wants to win games. Go ahead and put the, uh, either Gurner or the other guy. Let him quarterback and do the thing until we get somebody that's got some speed who can do a true run-pass option. But this guy, Roddy, is not a quarterback. Never will be, and he'll cost you games. And putting him in and just doing a rollout, student body right, student body left, is totally ludicrous. And my third observation is simply this. I'm going to let you guys talk. I'm going to listen. War damn eagle. War eagle. We appreci- War eagle. We appreciate yep. that phone call. That is uh, Jones from Pike Road joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Yeah, no, I think that with uh, really regards to Robbie, I don't think anyone's wanting to see him be a, a, a passer anymore. Uh, the, the, again, dilemma is with that skill set as a runner is there a way you can use that to help you to coincide with peyton thorne as the passer main quarterback but clearly the again the lack of confidence that uh, has been portrayed to thorne has been interesting to say the least and and look i'll say this on the on the play calling all that sort of thing that was not a decision for that game in particular hugh freeze said coming into the year Said it in the offseason, said it sure and when he when even when uh, they hired Phil Montgomery, Phil Montgomery was gonna call the plays and Hugh Freeze would step in from time to time uh, to call plays, but that he wanted to take a more macro view of it. Uh, and he'll again he'll call random plays like he, he did call the, the fade. The fade to, to Fairweather yeah. was revealed in the in the press conference on Monday. But that was not a decision that was made uh, spur of the moment or game week or just before the season that had been planned that way all season long I do think it's interesting because as you said Jones that uh, Hugh Freeze called plays at Ole Miss he called them quite successfully uh, and so that part of it is interesting but again Freeze's reasonings were basically that there's so much going on in the program that he feels someone else dedicated to that would work better 
uh, than him coming up with the whole plan for the whole play sheet and, and that sort of thing. But certainly, if they keep doing stuff like that, that's I mean, he's just going to have to to be calling plays and and not worrying about the other macro elements to the game plan. Um, so that is something, unfortunately, I think we're going to be talking about. Uh, <laughs> if not throughout this year, maybe years to come on, on who's doing what. Again, they have been transparent in who's doing what, but just if it changes at all throughout the course yep. of a season or from season to season, uh, that, that could continue to be a storyline. But again, in terms of the quarterback room and that sort of thing, Again, I, it is. I, I'm not ready to say there's just no path for the for the package for Ashford as a runner, but there's obviously not any sort of uh, development expected or seen thus far with yeah. passing. And again, I go back to the point I made. It's such a simple one from the season last year. He was a 49 percent passer. And right. there could be eight other things wrong, but people are not 49% passers. And yeah. so it was not – if he was going to end up being a competent passer, there was not a baby step that needed to be taken. It was a large step that had to be taken, uh, likes of which just not very, very likely. And obviously he didn't because he didn't win the job. So I, I don't know if there's any various opinions there. Do you guys want to see – absolutely none of the package now do you, do you just want to see all thorn and if he's just awful go to go to gurner or or how do you want it to play out so my thing is i like i said earlier i just think if you're going to have robbie in there and you know it's going to be a run it has to be creative it has to be oh. misdirection it has to be something that's going to trick the defense of not knowing where the ball's going to go that's really it it can't be just a direct strap direct snap and a rollout it can't right. be anything like that because you, you you're not fooling, it, yeah, anybody. You're not fooling anybody you're just not i'm sorry you, especially these sec caliber defense you're not fooling anybody so you you got to make it creative i'm not saying you can do away with it completely or you have to do away with it completely i'm just saying it has to be creative that's it and 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 yeah, he can't he can't throw the ball, if, so that's it. I mean, and then if creative does not work, then it's then you got to scrap scrapped. it. Yeah. Then you yeah. got to scrap it. But that's really it. The, the, at that point, it's got to get creative. And then if it's not creative, if creativity is not working, if misdirection isn't working, then you got to scrap it, and you just got to run with Peyton. It's not like Peyton can't run. That's kind of where I'm just like, uh, it's not like Peyton's really slow. It's I mean, obviously he's not Robbie fast, but he's not a slow guy. He can he has some wheels. He has some mobility and some ability to move the ball. So like when, once you get kind of down to the ten yard line, you can do a, a an option where he pulls the ball and can you know run it up, and it might be why create wide open lanes. You don't know because you're not trying it because you're kind of forcing the Robbie thing. And once you get to the red zone, and play and teams know you're going to run the ball. That's really teams know you when when Robbie's in, it's a run, it's a rollout. It might be a jet sweep, it might be something, but it's not. That's about it. So. Yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Um, I, I don't want this coaching staff to find themselves in the situation where they feel like they have to play uh, Robbie because they said they were, uh, if that makes sense. Um, if you need to scrap it, then scrap it. Don't don't just go, well, we said we're going to give him packages, and so we need to stick to our word and give him packages. No, hey, don't do that. But, yeah, you have to be creative with it. 
there the times that he is running right now there's been no creativity to it uh they don't the the ones that i have looked at and i could be wrong because I, I so i don't want to say all of them but there's a lot of them that do not look like they're a true read option they look like they are just a direct a direct quarterback run design quarterback run is it um, that's qb sweep yeah it? qb sweep and um and and, and so so in the red zone, it worked. It works. It worked against UMass. But if you go back and watch those videos, that's because their defense. The was, talent gap is just the, the talent gap was there because it was not very hard to figure it out. Because all you had to do is see where the the pull was from the offensive line. Whoever was pulling, it was going to that side. And so I I sat there and watched it. Um, I actually watched the video with Danny Skutak, uh, former Auburn linebacker, who we had on the show, and you'll you've heard his voice, you know, on our. Uh, was that a bumper? Yeah. We call it a bumper. Yeah, it's Danny Skutak. Yeah. Um, I, we watched some of the film with him, and, and they had a – this is against UMass. They had a linebacker that was just not fast enough to get over there to him. You could see the pull. You knew you know, the play is coming to this side because here comes the guard. He's pulling around, uh, and he makes the one block. If the one linebacker gets there and fills that gap like he's supposed to, then Robbie Ashford's not going anywhere. You started seeing that with Cal when he would run. Whatever side of the field there was, there were two dudes sitting there waiting yep. on him. One of them's going to get blocked. The other is going to be free to make the tackle. But there were two dudes sitting there waiting on it. And that's what's going to happen. When Robbie comes out, they know that they like to run to this side of the field. And so we're going to make sure that we've got the two dudes right there ready to go and waiting on him. And and he's not going to be able to go anywhere. So uh, if you're going to use him, you've got to figure out different ways to do it. You need to start running some true RPO with him. If that's the case, and yes, he's a terrible passer. But if you're running RPO, then leave that P as part of the option of that, right? You know, because you still got the threat, even if he doesn't sure. do it. It's the threat. But if you just trot him out there to run a sweep, it's like everybody in the world knows this is coming. That you're not fooling anybody. Run a true RPO. Leave the P part in there as part of that, uh, and, and and see what that. But now, if you can't do that, then it needs to then it needs to be uh, Peyton, and and if he's not cutting it, then it needs to be Holden Gurner because those are the two that are going to pass you the, to the game. Robbie's not, so you know that, that's a decision coaching staff's going to have to make and, and and figure it out. What you can't have is what we just saw in the Cal game where you just. Uh, confusion between the sideline and the field, and who's going to be in at quarterback, right. and right. you're swapping nah. them out and running them off, and running yep. them on. It's like no, no, no. It's that's not going to work. That that is a cluster. You know what? That you don't want to get involved in. That's why people don't like the two quarterback system because you oh, end up yeah. with crap like that, where it's like there's this whole like thing confusion. of you know no. Settle on your guy. This is the dude that it's going to be. If you want to run Robbie, if if Robbie's going to need to be a package, then Peyton Thorne needs to be on the field, and. Do a direct, yes, exactly. Do a direct, do a direct snap. That that would be that would be interesting. Confusion, misdirection, yes. anything. You know, you've got both of them by there. Who's who's it's even going to take the snap creative. right now? Yeah, because it, you don't. It, if uh, you don't know who's taking it, you can't predict anything. Sure. So that uh, creativity, uh, literally. Thank you, Tom. That's that's all I'm so, saying. Yeah, I I, no, I agree. I, I think those are great points. Thank you. Mic drop. Yeah, I think that they. <laughs> I think that they have it in the in the in the bag for AM. They have a couple of things and if they don't work then you need to to, to go away from it. Uh and 
unless you prove that there's just no way you can score in red areas, then uh, you've got a couple more cracks at it, and then they're going to have to do something else about it. We have time for another phone call before the end of the hour on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-889-TIGER-9. Next up, Daryl from Auburn. Daryl is with us. Daryl, how are you this afternoon? Fine. And uh, I appreciate it. Where is it called from? I didn't recognize him. Um, uh, from Pike Road. Is he a regular caller? Uh, he, he he's call? called before in the past during other football seasons, but uh, first time back this year. Okay. Well, anyway, I kind of like want to chime in. I've, I've always had it in the back of my mind, but, of course, I don't express myself that much on sports call because I don't actually watch the game, I just listened to it. But uh, how many years has Ashford got? Uh, I think he, this is his third year in school. So, and I think he might have redshirted the first year at Oregon. So, I think he's still got uh, two more years of eligibility after this. Well, I mean, do you think that he would like go to the transfer portal if no? Just if they just made him a running back. I mean, I, I he he could go in the portal again. There there would be uh, he would need a special waiver to be immediately eligible. Which uh, unless he's uh, meets one or two of certain criteria, he, he he would have to probably sit out a year uh, with the new uh, two time transfer rule. But I mean, it, it would be possible uh, if they moved him positions or if he just was not playing anymore at the quarterback position. But again, with that uh, transfer rule changing, it'd be uh, you, you have to sit there and think about it a little bit harder. Well, I mean, I'm not sure if he's the type of material that's going to make the NFL anyway in the quarterback position. But no. do you think he would just be, hey, hey, guy, you know, uh, we got a great scheme, but we're just going to put you in a quarterback, and we'll. I, I don't even know who the other two quarterback. I mean, running back. Excuse me, running backs are. Just make him a running back. If he's a team player, maybe he'd go for it. Yeah, but again, I, I don't think Auburn needs. Uh, running backs right now either because they've got really four uh, pretty competent ones, three that are really good. And, uh, you know, I, I think it would be more likely maybe he'd move to like a, a wide receiver or something for a jet sweep guy or, or something like that. But I, I'm not sure that Auburn has the apparent need right now there. So uh, it, it, if he's not going to run that, that quarterback package, uh, almost a de facto wildcat, then I don't really know the place on the team for him right now. I got you. Okay. Well, that shows my ignorance about the depth chart and who's at what position, you know. But anyway, uh, but it's a legitimate concern, I mean, because, you know, if you have a halfway decent defense, they they can read the play as soon as it goes in. You know, unless it's uh, a plan to, uh, you know, less than five yards and a touchdown, maybe they can make it, but they still can. I guess blitz on that one side, you know, and they can read the play. So, yeah, again, but, you you have to execute incredibly well if the defense knows what's coming. Anyway, well, yeah, it's going to be a problem there, and hopefully they'll get it figured out uh, with the Sanford game. So, and then, uh, what time's that game start? Two thirty. Uh, that's a six p.m. game on Saturday. Oh, is it really? Okay. Yes. Okay. Have, have they got the cable res? Uh, Resolve yes, issue. they have actually. Uh, Spectrum and Disney did agree earlier this week, so it's back on uh, on Charter Spectrum. Oh, okay. Well, 
I'm just glad for, you know, I'll, I'll talk to some of the, my neighbors. You know, hey, did you watch that game? Like, no, you know, we're just sweating on the TV. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. You know? <laughs> 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 it's like, okay, I, you know, you sure they got radios, but they're, they're used to watching it on TV, you know, and they're paying 150 bucks and they don't have the access, you know, so. Yeah. It, uh, well, yeah. Well, I'm glad for, for all of you football gurus that watch football instead of listen to it like that. So. Well, all right, Daryl. We appreciate the phone call today. Okie dokie. Have a good weekend. You too. That is uh, Daryl from Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are out of time for this hour. Come I have up. to say this real quick. Yep. We were talking about DEFCONs. Yep. My good friend and coworker, Roy. Yep. Shout out to Roy. Yep said defcon one is the worst okay that's what i thought the first time i it because to me it always processes you go up would be worse be five but uh I, then i had got it in my brain it was lower and hey i went three anyway hey, so three's in the middle you're that's why you go you in the middle you went three so you're good so either way like, hey it's you not peace defcon five is what switzerland lives in from a from yeah. a year to year basis but uh we're uh, I, I just say with uh, <laughs> with the SEC this year, it's like a DEFCON three. It's a little, yep. little, little tense. Uh, so that's it. That's the end of hour number two. Coming up in hour number three, uh, more of your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Coming up at five fifteen, Joe Bartle of RotoWire will be with us. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger ninety five point nine. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620, WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry with you here on this now rainy Wednesday afternoon. Got to remind you of a couple of things coming up, including the High School Coaches Show, which comes up right after this show. That's from the End Zone Bar and Grill. Uh, as Brooks Childress and T.P. Hammock will be out there uh, for the Coaches Show tonight, right here at Tiger 95.9, starting at 6 o'clock to about 8 or 8.30. And then, of course, more high school action this weekend on both Tiger 95.9 and FM Talk 93.9 with Borgard High School Football and Smith Station Football, respectively. Uh, we got Joe Bartle coming up at 5.15 of RotoWire to discuss the week in NFL and in fantasy. But before we do that, let's go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one tiger 9 Next up, James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you this afternoon? I'm good in War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, did y'all hear about um, 
Jerry Jones and the other um, the other uh, owner of the Buffalo Bills and what was going on in their allegations. Yeah, I did hear about that. That uh, is definitely interesting about how the they made some racist comments potentially um, regarding to players and and things like that. I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I I hope it's not true. That, let's just say that much. I just really hope it's not true. Well, um, for me as a Cowboys fan, I know that Jerry Jones he should not. You know, both of those um, owners shouldn't be talking about. You know. Um, I'm going to just keep it, you know, clean, but I'm I'm just going to say this because I've been a Cowboys fan for a very, very long time. And for these two uh, owners, for uh, these two teams, they shouldn't be talking any kind of discussion like that for for any reason, for any sports matter. Because, you know, if you look at African-American players, they have paved the way in sports. You know, you're looking at, like, you know, how different things are being, how people are looking at different things. They're looking at different things as a racial standpoint. And racism shouldn't be involved in any kind of sport as well. It shouldn't be. And when I heard this, I was I was really upset when I heard these comments. Uh, coming out, you know, for allegations talking about African American players shouldn't play in the football games. That should go back to wherever they came from. How dare Jerry Jones sit there and say something like that? For me, as a as a Cowboys fan that's been rooting for the Cowboys for a long time, I, I I'm gonna just if it if it's not if it's true or not. I'm, I'm going to just keep my foot on this comment and see what's going to happen. And if things don't turn around for the Cowboys organization, I'm packing up my stuff and I'm leaving. I'm going to another NFL team. Well, again, hopefully uh, those comments were not actually made and that uh, those allegations proved to be false. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happened there. Yes, as well, because, you know, with – with a lot of African American players that are playing in the NFL in today's NFL now, I mean, you you could really see what they're doing on and off the field. More more likely off of the field when they're not playing on Sundays. I mean, they're doing a lot for their community. They're you know helping in their community. Uh, you know, doing uh, like the NFL does the Play Sixty event every. Every so often, you'll see some of the uh, greatest NFL stars in today's NFL, like Dak Prescott or Tulatanga Vailoa, and um, uh, you know, you know, uh, different guys that are still playing in the league, and they have uh, you know ties to their community as well. And I think that I think they should keep that as well because you know this actually makes you know these young kids look up to these athletes and they are always saying you know these young kids they want to idolize themselves after them and when i hear that i'm like no you can't be like that prescott you can't be like Tuatonga Valoa because you have to be who you are to get to that point that's what i tell them as well Sure. Uh, absolutely. What else is on your mind today, James? 
Well, I'm actually going to be uh, watching my Texas Rangers and uh, seeing if we're going to win. Um, I know it's going to be a big if, so I'm just hoping that we're going to win because this is close to the end of the of the uh, regular season, and I'm hoping that we we'll make it. I'm hoping that my team will make it to the uh, playoffs as well. Yeah, the Rangers are locked in a uh, tough wild card and division battle with the Astros and Mariners. So uh, that one's going to come down to the last couple weeks of the season. And again, we're only about uh, 15 or so more games left in the season. Yes, as well. And then I'm going to be watching uh, the WNBA uh, playoffs. So tonight starts their uh, first two games of the uh, playoff season. And I'm going to see these first two games and actually see um, if – Brianna Stewart. I know she's playing with the uh, New York Liberty. I'm going to be watching them and uh, seeing um, how Brianna Stewart is actually going to do as well. Yeah, uh, you'll have to again keep us updated on that one. Yes, as well because I I know for myself. I know I'm a Dallas Wings fan, but I've I think I'm having my heart being uh, taken by Brianna Stewart's uh, creativity. On, on the um, basketball court as well because I think um, I'm thinking like you know I don't know if Brianna Stewart has somebody that she's in a relationship with but I'm thinking I might shoot my shot with her as well. Oh boy. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, that would that would be some kind of a shot indeed. And uh, you got to have great confidence in yourself. But uh, again, that would uh, that 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 would be a half court heave uh, to to put it mildly. Yes, as well because I mean Brianna Stewart. She's she's a she's an amazing woman, and she's a she's a very pretty woman at that as well. And she's done a lot in her life as well. And I'm hoping um, I'm hoping great things come out from Brianna Stewart as well. All right then, and uh, James, we got a guest here coming up at five fifteen in just a couple minutes. So we'll have to go ahead and get your final thoughts here. Well, my final thought is that I would love to see Auburn actually beat Stanford in the homecoming game this weekend, and my predictions for this weekend's game would be Auburn 45 to Stanford 25. Hope Auburn wins by more than that. If they're giving up 25 points to Stanford, that would be a stark contrast to uh, uh, the the last couple weeks. And uh, Again, I know Stanford's got a bunch of in-state players, but Auburn – Auburn hopefully can uh, win the game by more than that, but they do need to get the victory to get to 3-0. Yes, as well, because this is our, uh, I think this year will be our first time ever meeting Stanford since 1903, if I'm saying that uh, year right. Yeah, not not quite. Auburn's played Stanford, uh, I think, about 31 or 32 times uh, in their in their history. So they, they did meet a, a long, long time ago, but they've also played recently here in the last few years. Okay, so I think this would be, I think this will be number fifteen or or sixteen. I'm not quite sure. Uh, yeah, again, I'm not. Uh, I don't have it in front of me right here. I know Auburn okay. has, has has played Samford uh, several times, though. I think uh, I think Auburn. This will be the thirtieth meeting. I think Auburn's twenty eight zero and one against Samford okay. all time. And uh, uh, again, it's been Auburn's been able to to be very very dominant in the series. Okay, well, I'll call y'all back on tomorrow, and I'll probably pull out some uh, trivia in my trivia treasure chest as well. All right, sounds good. War Eagle, James. All right, War Eagle. 
That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, and we do need to get to our next timeout of the program as we've got Joe Bartle of Rotowire coming up next to talk some NFL and some fantasy football. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. For another way to listen to our show, be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. We now go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, and we welcome on Joe Bartle of Rotowire for our weekly conversation. Week one in the books, Joe. A lot to talk about. Really appreciate the time this afternoon. Yeah, happy to be on talking with you guys. So let's start with some fan- fantasy implications. Let's start with... I'm going to I'm going to hold Rogers for just a second, and we'll go to another key injury because uh, I know a lot of people are going to want to talk about Rogers. Let's start with J.K. Dobbins' torn Achilles, and then also just the continuation of uh, of Travis Kelsey's availability. Where do we stand on Kelsey, and then what would be a good way of replacing someone like J.K. Dobbins in the lineup? Yeah, the Kelsey one, I think, unfortunately, is uh, TBD. We don't really have a whole lot of information. uh, And I think everyone kind of just assumed it would be a one-week thing. But if it truly was a deep bone bruise, which was uh, reported after the fact last Thursday for Travis Kelsey's injury, that's no guarantee that he does play in week two. So his practice status, I think, tomorrow especially is going to be really important to determine whether or not he is going to play. And you look at the match against the Jaguars, I think it's entirely possible Jackson Jacksonville wins that game outright, and we'll certainly need Travis Kelsey to provide a bit more stability to that offense. I know Kadarius Tony kind of lost in the game last Thursday, uh, and the way the news cycle works, we kind of just completely forget about. But other than Rasheed Rice, that offense wasn't all that great for the Chiefs. So I'll be really curious to see if they choose to rush back uh, Travis Kelsey or kind of play it slow, knowing they have playoff aspirations that are more important than winning a Week 2 contest. So, his stats is really interesting. In terms of J.K. Dobbins, I mean, it's, it's really tough. I love Dobbins as a player. Uh, last year, I was really in on him, I think, to a lesser extent this year as well, too. And I'm concerned this is kind of it for his career. It's up with three separate uh, lower body injuries, especially the soft tissue stuff, or in this case, the Achilles. You, you really have a hard time working back from that. Um, I don't know if there's a, a one-for-one replacement because, you know, Gus Edwards and Justice Hill combined to do some workload stuff. When Dobbins left last Sunday's game, I don't believe Melvin Gordon, who will call from the practice squad, is going to be much of a factor. But I do think Justice Hill and Gus Edwards split enough time where they probably won't be uh, easy starts, per se. And there's Kyron Williams from the Rams, who ended up getting 15 carries, played 52 snaps over Cam Akers, uh, who had 29 snaps. Of course, he carried the ball 22 times in them. 
Kyron Williams is the three-down back of the Rams. Like, if he's going to get rushing opportunities, he should also get passing opportunities. But I don't know if the Rams' offense is all that good either. So I, I don't know if there's an obvious replacement. I would have said Kenny Gainwell, uh, but it looks like he won't be playing for Thursday. So I almost wonder if there was a frustrated manager who dropped DeAndre Swift after his no-show last week. Uh, if that might be the kind of pickup, especially in a game that looks to be pretty high scoring between the Eagles and Vikings Thursday. Uh, Joe, when you when you look at week one, I mean, obviously it's just a one-week sample size, but I, were there some guys that jumped off the page at you that really surprised you this week that fantasy owners either need to try to jump on if they don't have them? Uh, but, yeah, just kind of somebody that really jumped out at you this week. Yeah, I think that the top waiver wire pickup this week was Pukunaku. For the Rams, and uh, I was pretty adamant, I said in many different places, I thought the Rams could compete with the Cardinals to be the number one worst team in the NFL. And I wasn't going to be surprised uh, if they shut down Matthew Stafford early. And I had mentioned, hey, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers took that big pay cut. Uh, it's not just for Delvin Cook. What if they trade for Aaron Donald? Like, these were the thoughts I had about the Rams and specifically their defense. And then they completely showed out and annihilated the Seahawks in Seattle. And now I'll have to completely rethink where I am at with Los Angeles and what they could do this season. And Nakua was a really interesting um, rookie prospect as is, and especially after Cooper Cup went down, you're wondering, well, can Stafford replicate that with anybody else? Clearly he can. Uh, there's been instances, especially in week one, I think back to Jamal Williams last year, and there's uh, been times even like Justin Jefferson in his rookie year where there was clearly a wave wire pickup that you could get early on, whether it be one, week two, week three, and then start the rest of the season. I really do think of all the available options, it was Puganaku for for this week, and I think for this season that's going to be that model. Uh, and at the very minimum in full point PPR leagues, a I think a, a, a wide receiver three, um, and that might sound high uh, and even like a flex, but I think he's going to be relevant even if and when Cooper Cup does return for the Rams. So he was the the biggest surprise for me. And I think the Rams overall especially with Kyron Williams, also the top waiver and waiver wire guy. Uh, we're right up there, too. Joe, let's go ahead and talk about Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the injury, obviously, four snaps into into the game, uh, for, for the Jets on offense, at least. Um, Robert, Robert Salah has already said um, that Zach Wilson's going to be the quarterback. He said he's going to be their guy. Do you think that they're going to ride with him? Do you think they're going to pick up a quarterback? How is this going to affect the likes of Garrett Wilson, the guys like Dalvin Cook, Brees Hall, all of those guys? Yeah, there's there's two answers to this, and I'll give the fantasy analysis one first. I think they stick with Zach Wilson, uh, for better or for worse. I don't know if any of the available veterans that have been tossed around, the Philip Rivers, the Matt Ryan, there's no way Tom Brady is doing that after his victory lap in Gillette. Like those, those guys, I think, are just a little bit too statuesque for an offensive line that is clearly not very good, uh, and I don't think they would thrive. Like I think it would be a mistake for both Zach Wilson's confidence and just overall offensively. I thought maybe Joe Flacco, given his tenure last year, or even a guy like Carson Wentz, who remains uh, a free agent and would be at least a little bit more mobile. But I almost wonder if you're the Jets, you're only having to give up a second-round pick because of that Aaron Rodgers trade now due to the injury. Why not see uh, and roll the dice with Zach Wilson again? I think most people just assume their playoff aspirations are gone, and certainly their Super Bowl expectations are as well. But this was the number 3 overall pick uh, a couple of years ago, and if you could rebuild any semblance of positive play, the reason why he was drafted so high, that might be an overall win, and you can kind of change the expectations of what the season means for the Jets. I, I think they are going to stick with Zach Wilson. I don't think it's going to work. Uh, and I had mentioned in my article, maybe this is like the, the Yoda in The Last Jedi, where uh, it's, it's a dead Yoda that's trying to talk to Luke and guide him through things. Maybe Aaron Rodgers can do the same thing for Zach Wilson. 
I would uh, I would be a little bit surprised if if that works out so positively and so nicely. But crazier things have happened than a, a highly touted prospect actually playing to the level that he was being drafted. So I'm not. I'm assuming the Jets are going to stick with Zach Wilson the whole time. Um, from a Packers fan perspective, and I am one and very devout one, I, I was sad by the injury. And I know a lot of people want to mention the, the draft pick capital or whatever else. Just to me, um, to see an all-time great, which is Aaron Rodgers, be so excited for the Jets in this season to end after play four uh, and, and permanently damage what I think could be the rest of his career. I, he says he can come back, which I believe he will, but I don't know if it's going to be the same Aaron Rodgers. That just really sucks, uh, and I was I was pretty sullen um, directly after the injury. I certainly was Tuesday morning as well too, and I I don't know how you can be a fan of football and not be upset uh, because if the Jets were to be as great as they were, that was what was making one of the reasons why the NFL season was going to be interesting, and to have it ruined so quickly was was frustrating. Uh, and that brings me to this question, Joe, because we were trying to think about it earlier this week, and we know there's been other injuries that, of course, back in in earlier times ended careers and and, and that sort of thing. But given the the height and the weight of the expectations, the market he was going into, the caliber he still is, can you think of a more shocking injury than that? No, gut gut reaction. No, I think. The immediacy of the injury is why I answer no to that. There's been times where players have been injured, uh, you know, week two, week three, week four, and possibly more important players as well. But to, to have the, the severity of it, you know, in today's day and age, especially medicine, there's few injuries that really are like, oh, that, that could be really problematic. Um, but the Achilles, especially at Aaron Rodgers' age, is one of them. You know, that's, that's, you know, 30, 40 years ago, you have the ACL tear and the person's career is done, right? I get that, but we're not at that point in medicine anymore, which is great. I don't. I don't think there is one. I think this is the worst um, injury, not of all time, certainly, but of of where the NFL is right now. How what the stakes were for the Jets, for a franchise that has as much notoriety as the Jets, and what Aaron Rodgers was too uh, to that franchise and, and the trade and all the hullabaloo throughout the off season. Yeah, I, I really don't think there is one. And to to have an end and play for is just it is cruel. You know, I think it's cruel for a lot of people. Absolutely. We're talking to Joe Bartle of RotoWire today on SportsCenter. Let RotoWire help you with all of your fantasy needs. Joe, we saw some weird statistical anomalies in week one, particularly games that involved rain, of which Cincinnati and Cleveland certainly did. And uh, and Burrow was about as he, uh, probably as bad as he's ever been, and and uh, things did not go well. Is there any kind of concern for you going forward, just based off the fact he was injured in the preseason, or or can we really just chalk that up to the weather? I, I'm not concerned, um, and I'm not sure I'm actually chalking up to the weather per se. Although the Ravens in, in Jacksonville, that was a, I'm sorry, uh, Houston, that was another rain game too. And Lamar Jackson also didn't look good. It's interesting that the Ravens and Bengals are facing each other this week to see who can right the wrongs, uh, even though the Ravens won. I thought they looked kind of pathetic at times uh, offensively. I I mean, I think this is just what the duo of Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor has been. You go back to last season, I think they lost two of their first three or two of their first four games, and then they went on a run, and it was around week seven or eight that Zach Taylor completely changed his offense around, and I think it got them to that point. I don't know what's the next wrinkle of Zach Taylor's offense, and I don't really think it was, oh, let's just completely change things around. The Browns came to play. They have a style that fits the weather, like you mentioned. Uh, and Zach Taylor just doesn't seem to get Cincinnati ready uh, to begin the season. I'm used to that as a Packers fan because Mike McCarthy did that, and Matt LaFleur has done that too. I famously remember the 38-3 loss to the Saints 
to open a couple of years ago. And it's like, oh boy, what's going on with the Packers? Well, they made the conference finals that year, of course, lost because the Packers, but they were just fine. So I, I do think there's, I have that level of confidence with the Bengals. Um, and I actually do think they're going to win this weekend's game against the Ravens pretty convincingly. Um, I, they got decimated, the Ravens did, with the injuries. It wasn't just J.K. Dobbins, which obviously is tough, but uh, they lost their left tackle, Ronnie Stanley. Uh, Marlon Humphrey didn't play, still practicing. Mark Andrews is coming back, but they also lost Tyler Lindenbaum, their stud uh, center as well, too. I mean, this is this is a pretty brutal set of injuries the Ravens have dealt with early on, and I do think it's a get-right game for the Bengals. I believe I asked you last week or maybe the week before about great duo wide receivers in the in the NFL, and I believe I talked a little bit about Tyree Kill and, and Jalen Waddell. The numbers Hill and, and Tagovailoa put up this past weekend, where do you rank uh, Tagovailoa in terms of quarterbacks uh, in, in fantasy and just – uh, what kind of numbers that that offense can do this year? Yeah, when he's healthy, uh, Tua Viola is going to be, I think, pretty consistently a, a top eight, top ten. It's just a matter of being healthy, and it's why I wasn't drafting him. Uh, if guys that are like Dak Prescott or Aaron Rodgers, at least in this case, he didn't end up being that way, but at least entering draft time, he was around the same ADP. If everything is going to be fine uh, and near number wise, uh, I would take the guy that's going to be healthy that you have confidence will be healthy through the whole season. Yes, I know one injury can knock somebody out. I get that. Um, but Tua had, had more injury history than anybody else. I think even one bad hit, it's not just he's going to miss a couple games. That could be his career. And the Dolphins have to play it safe, if only from um, a public perception perspective. That has been my issue. I, I, I mean, like, Hill's insane and obviously was insane for large durations of last year. But I want to just temper the expectations a little bit. J.C. Jackson, who was the cover corner that Tyree Kill burned, I think, on three of those uh, really long games, including that last touchdown. There were great throws by Tua. Nothing. I mean, J.C. Jackson looked bad. This is a guy that's coming off a torn uh, patellar tendon last season, Week 7. Still hadn't really regained, it seemed like, the function, or not, not function of it, but uh, confidence in his knee, uh, even in like the middle of the preseason. The Chargers have been playing pretty slow. And I thought, you know, I covered the Chargers for Odor. I thought it's because they gave him that massive contract two years ago and they had to play it safe. Well, clearly something's still wrong with J.C. Jackson because he didn't look anywhere near the type of athlete that he was for the Patriots. There are not many teams that are going to be trotting out a corner that looked as bad as J.C. Jackson most weeks, and certainly the Patriots will not. Like if there's one team that I think has the personnel to defend Tyreek Hill and J.L. Model, it is the Patriots. So, yeah, Hill's awesome, and I think two hundred one healthy can be really effective, and J.L. Model's so good too. But he's not getting 200 yards every single week, and I would actually take whatever under you might see for Hill because the Patriots defense might be one of the best this season. Yeah, that AFC is still quite interesting, even with the devastating injury news, and really all four of those teams uh, must watch as throughout the year. He's Joe Barnell of Roto-Wire joining us today on Sports Call. Joe, tell our listeners about your Tuesday show and about uh, what all they can find at Roto-Wire. Yeah, I got a lot going on. Football season, which is always great. So I do the Tuesday Roto-Wire NFL podcast. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, just type in Roto-Wire uh, NFL and we go over all the waiver wire pickups. Uh, yesterday we mentioned about 15 different running backs. If you did miss J.K. Dobbins, some guys that had some interesting snap counts, ones you consider, a few of the receivers too. We do that every single Tuesday, get you set for the waiver wire period in your fantasy leagues. Uh, every Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, I, I'm calling it the big betting sheet. Uh, I literally take every over-under, uh, talk about what side I would take for that, um, and, and same for the spreads as well too. Talk about some prop bets, go over every different possible sports book and the betting avenue for that. You can follow my Twitter, JB Fantasy Sports, or 
just go to RotoWire's massive betting site. We have a lot of different content for betting, not just myself. And every Friday, uh, SiriusXM Radio, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, we talk about all the week's matchups to come and fantasy advantages you can have from it. So it's always a good like a recap and kind of putting a pin, especially after all the injury reports come out, as to what we expect will occur. And has been uh, really good, at least for my fantasy leagues, and getting other, other people set, too. Great stuff right there. Very busy, but uh, again, this is the, the best time of year. Joe Bartle, RotoWire, today with us on Sports Call. Joe, as always, the time's greatly appreciated. Enjoy more football this week, and we look forward to chatting again next week. All right, guys. Thanks, everyone. That is Joe Bartle of RotoWire joining us today on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line on Sports Call. We're going to take a, another timeout. Back with a few Auburn Sanford thoughts from, from Tom as he makes the exit for the week. And uh, we'll wrap up the show shortly after that. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Barry with you here. Appreciate Joe Barnell of RotoWire for joining us there. Talk a little NFL and fantasy football. Really, we still, it is Wednesday with just just a few minutes left in the show. Only really talked about one NFL game, per se, this week, and that was the, the Jets game, of course, from, yep. because what happened to Rodgers. So tomorrow on the show, it is NFL Thursday, we do – make NFL picks on the Thursday show. So we'll kind of recap last week in the NFL kind of kind of more there. But, uh, yeah, no, that's just how much football you have to talk about. It's great stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, is Cam, Cam, are you back on the show this week? I am. On Fridays. On yeah. Fridays. On Fridays. Yeah, he's just off last Friday. So I, why we... I, I, see, I haven't heard really his full take on the Falcons. We'll go for it, Cam. Oh, we got a minute. Okay, yeah. I mean, I thought the game went very well. I thought the team started off very slow. I'm still worried about the passing game, but I think that'll come along. But the run game is still as dominant as ever. The, I mean, the, the offensive line in terms of running is is fantastic. I loved what I saw from the Falcons um, just in a just in a first game standpoint. Right. I really liked everything that I saw except for the except for I just want a little bit more from the passing game. Uh, things that are downfield, not just line of scrimmage. You know, not screens and, and hmm. things like that. Sounds but, like Auburn. It really does. It really. It <laughs> honestly, it really is. It's kind of it's kind of eerily 
crazy. Oh. But um, I would like to see some more things down the field, just a little bit more trust in Desmond Ritter, um, because I think he can hmm. make the throws. Like I, I really think he can make <laughs> the throws. It, it's just a matter of trust, and, and it just didn't seem like Arthur Smith showed that. But I will say – Derek Brown and the Panthers' defensive line was getting back there every time he dropped back to pass. I mean, they were just – I mean, Brian Burns was just living in the backfield. So, you know, I think think that he adjusted to how the game was being played. We were still dominant in terms of running in the offensive line. We were able to get pushed there. But in terms of pass pro and things like that, we just weren't able to do it because they were so fast in the interior and the edge. Hopefully that gets better. But – Bijan was his. I mean, I I loved what I saw from Bijan. Uh, Tyler Algier still has a role. I love that. Um, so the consistency. I just want to see Drake London and Kyle Pitts just get a few more balls. I just that's all I want to see. But the defense was something that I just I almost shed a tear in all honesty that I <laughs> I loved. I know it's just the Panthers, and I know right. Bryce was a rookie, so obviously he's going to make mistakes. But, man, we were getting after him in the second half. The first half was a little vanilla and slow. But the second half, I was I was just see, I just loved seeing the stunts and the different things that they were doing on the D-line. We had guys that were getting back there on Yamada, and, and Grady was doing his thing. Uh, so I loved to, to see it. We were getting some sacks. I think we finished the game with, like, three, maybe four sacks. Love that. Um, that's already a quarter of what we had last season. So uh, that's already on the up. Um the, the, the secondary is what I'm just super duper excited about. Jesse Bates is the truth. Uh, I mean, the money that we paid for him in the offseason is worth it. And then some two interceptions and a forced fumble in your first game in, 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 your, in your new uniform. Love what I saw from him. Jesse Bates, I, I think he's going to be just, you know, he's the captain of the secondary. Him and A.J. Terrell working together um, is going to be great. We're even fully healthy. Get Jeff Okuda back this week, and we still get um, uh, Cordero Patterson back this week. So that kind of will add another dimension into the offense, which will be interesting. And then Okuda will be just opposite of of AJ Terrell. So I'm excited about it. I love what Ryan Nielsen's doing. The linebackers is Troy Anderson, something to be watched, but he's in concussion protocol, so it'll be. uh, Hopefully, he plays. If not, then we'll have to see where that kind of comes in because we're thin at linebacker but Keaton Ellis is still as good as ever um as a uh in his first year in a in a in a Falcons uniform and so I am I'm extremely excited for what this team could be um I I think you know if we can get if we can start to stretch the field I think the run game will be dominant but if we can stretch the field the Falcons could be could be dangerous so I'm I'm very very excited I've loved what I've seen and of course, you can hear all the Atlanta Falcons games on this station right here, Tiger ninety five point nine. Pre-game coverage two hours before each kickoff, uh, right here across the uh, the Falcons radio network. So about five or six minutes left in this show today. And again, as mentioned, Tom, want to get your thoughts on what's to come here between Auburn and Sanford. Obviously, this is another kind of name your score game and yep. all those type of things. I mean. I, what I don't think that there's much that they could do to make you feel better about what's going to happen against A and M or or Georgia. It's going to be pr- prove at times for them, uh, but just I, maybe what don't you want to see? Just just I don't know. Just just kind of preview this one and and what you're looking what you're looking out for and all the things that you're 
trying to yeah. trying to get out of one more non-conference game yeah. here. Um, <clears throat> all right, so the biggest thing that you don't want to have happen is have one of those games where uh, we mentioned earlier where they did the skit on all the teams that were eating cupcakes and choking on them. Uh, sure, you, you get you can get a win, but you can also get a win over a team like Sanford and have everybody going, okay, well, what the heck was that? You don't want that. You want to go out, take care of business, and, and do what you got to do. I'm going to go on the assumption that that's what happens, that, that Auburn goes out, takes care of business, uh, moves on. Obviously, you don't want any uh, detrimental injuries. That is part of the football game. But, you know, if you want to try to get out of that game with a with a solid win, no injuries, and play as many backups as you can, that's ideal. Now, as far as the starting uh, group goes, uh, we need to start seeing the coaching staff figure out how they are going to use Robbie Ashford or if they're not going to use him. We they we need to see something with that, not the cluster, you know what, that we saw against Cal. Um, I want to see that fixed. They've got to start taking some shots downfield, and now I feel like I'm repeating what he uh, Cam was saying about the Falcons. Got to <laughs> start similar. Got, got to start taking some shots down the field, and and spread and uh, stretch that field. Uh, give people something to to see. Obviously, you don't want to give all your cards away, but you need to give them something to see to make them realize, like, hey, they this is part of their game. They they are not just a line of scrimmage run it and screen pass type team you know we're, we're we need to realize we're not about to play army we're going to play a team that is going to stretch the field out on us so um that's what i want to see um cut down on the mistakes cut down on the fumbles got to do that but you know the main thing is, is the new stuff is start gradually showing some other things stretch that field a little bit let Peyton Thorne cut it loose some. You know, let's see what he's got. We, I don't think any of us really know what he's got because they, they, he's. It feels like he's been handcuffed to just very minimal stuff. Let let the dude, let the dude fly, man. Let him let him fire some down downfield, and let's see what his accuracy looks like. See what the strength looks like. Uh, I want to see more fair weather. Uh, I I screamed that from the mountaintops in preseason that I thought fair weather could potentially be the best wide receiver quote unquote even though he's listed as a tight end i felt fairweather could be your best pass catching option because of his size so i want to see that i want to see them utilize him more uh, i want to see uh hooks utilized more than he was in cal and and that's just i mean that's the main thing uh defense keep 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 that intensity up that we saw against cal i, I want to see that keep going that way we can kind of start seeing that that's going to be the pattern we talk about patterns uh, I want to see that the the defense that we saw against Cal is going to be the norm of the pattern and not a one off and and then elsewhere you're trying to figure out well, you know we shut Cal down all of a sudden why does Stanford or Samford have a kid running up and down the field on us that we suddenly can't figure out how to stop don't want that um, so I mean that's it yeah you know defense keep the keep the same energy that we saw against Cal and offense start opening things up a little bit more and take care of business get ready for A and M. Yeah, I think you about covered it there. Uh, again, we'll have more thoughts later in the week. Uh, that one thing uh, I would mention, too, that you kind of hit on is I uh, want to see basically outside receivers do something because right. we, a lot of positive positive stuff from Jay Fair, a little bit from Javarius Johnson. They were accredited in, on Monday as being two guys that Hugh Freeze relies on. You know, we, we spent a lot of time talking about the new outside receivers, yep. Shane Hooks, Jair Shorter, 
etc. And, and a couple of Nick Marner, who's been injured, he's he's not been playing. Uh, but then even Camden Brown, a, a, a returnee from last year, I want to see in particular. I want to see something from those guys yeah. because I've already. It's small sample sizes, but two wonderful grabs from Fairweather. I now see what that can look like, and I've seen Jay Fair produce a little bit, and I recall Javarius Johnson from not only this year but years past. Give me something from that outside spot because yeah. that that's what was really worked on in that wide receiver room, and it'd be a shame if you really ended up getting a bunch of blanks there. Final minute or two of the show today. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Heart Seltzer. Tonight, we've got uh, an array of things, including the Atlanta Braves coming up right uh, right about now against the Philadelphia Phillies. That one on Valley Sports. They can, ra- they can wrap up the division tonight. Uh, they can. They can clinch uh, the division. They've already clinched the playoff spot, but they can win the division. Tonight. Magic number is two. And, of course, it changes with each Brave win and each Philly loss. So that's why it can be over tonight. Women's College Volleyball, number two, Louisville versus number 21, Kent State, 7 o'clock on ESPN. You've got uh, more Women's College Volleyball on FS1 with number one, Wisconsin, at Marquette. Also got on FX, Iron Man 2, that one coming up at 7 o'clock. X-Men Days of Future Past, 7 o'clock on HBO2. And that is Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide, presented by White Claw Hearts. Also, I could also put in the TV Guide this week because we never mentioned it, although it happened Monday. Uh, as uh, by the way, that Braves game uh, is already two nothing Atlanta. Uh, after <laughs> in about five minutes after oh, Riley Hummer, okay. uh, I could also mention too that uh, nightly TV guide that you do have ESPN if you're a Spectrum customer yes. now because a deal was reached on Monday. Yes. And, uh, happy days if you were patient and waited. Goodness gracious. It, probably still unhappy days if you switch because that means you had the call to cancel. Uh, and he probably waited like two hours to do so, uh, only for a couple days later, Spectrum yeah. to get it back. So uh, trying times for the Spectrum customer community that really wanted uh, the ESPNs and that sort of thing. But uh, anyway, that's Sports Calls Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Heart Seltzer. <coughs> that will do it for the show today. Cam, thank you very much for being here today. We'll see you again on Friday. Can't wait for it. Braves are already up 2-0. Just said that. So, oh, so, man. It's all right. Uh, Tom Peavy, thank you for being here throughout the week. Hope you have a great rest of your he, week. We'll see you again next week. He just pulled one of my sonality moments. <laughs> <laughs> it is, I'll sit here and zone out, and I'll like, hey, the Braves are up 2 nothing. Did you see that? <laughs> hey, I worked it in so seamlessly. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what we're going to say. You're a smooth operator. Uh, th- thank you very much. Coming up next is the High School Coaches Show. Brooks Childress, T.B. Hammock out the end zone bar and grill, so stay tuned for that. As always, we appreciate all those that tune in and called in and from Joe Bartle from Rotowire for joining us today as well. For Cam Barry and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Wednesday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.